Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Edwin Outwater, conductor of SM2, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Clint Wells. Today we are going to be listening to excerpts and parts of the now uh, highly coveted Howard Stern interview that I believe aired yesterday. This is Thursday. Several of our listeners have written in via, uh, via email and via the various socials about wanting access to this. Um, apparently you can only hear the full thing if you are a serious XM user, which I do recommend, by the way. I don't have it myself, but being on tour a lot, a lot of the buses had it and I'm a huge, huge, huge Howard Stern fan, and uh, I have not heard this interview yet. We are going to be hearing parts of it together. I'll be commentating on it. I want to give a shout out to Ethan Luck, my normal uh, co-host. He is on vacation and couldn't do this with me, and since it was timely and so many people are anxious to hear what the boys are up to and what they're talking about, I decided to do this episode by myself, but since we're mostly just listening to an interview and sort of reacting to some of the uh, some of the things that are said or asked... I figured it was better to just get this out instead of waiting. So we are going to do that today. I want to thank a couple of listeners, Chris Yurgis, uh, Metalliclaws, for those of you out there, and David Bill for helping with access to the audio. Uh, you know, the Metal Up Your Podcast family is an awesome group of people, and uh, so they sort of help make this possible. Let's hit the news real quick. I think the last time you talked to us, which was with uh, our friend Brandon from Metallicast on Monday, which, by the way, we've already dropped another bonus episode this week. This is a good week to be a Metallica fan, especially after so many months of not really having a lot of updates. But uh, the boys are the first band in the metal rock genre to participate in the Encore Nights drive-in series on August 29th. Like I was saying, last time we talked, they were sort of teasing some stuff. We knew they were rehearsing at HQ. Well, we've since known now that it's for this drive-in theater show. Only two other bands have done it, Garth Brooks and Blake Shelton. And they're claiming that it drew over 500,000 fans. So what is this? It's when you get in your car, you drive to a drive-in theater, they pump the audio either through like your radio, through Bluetooth or something. You could take a Bluetooth speaker and you can sit there in a safe, socially distanced way and enjoy a live concert. And we know the boys played a secret show at some secret venue. There was a lot of speculation about what was on the set list. It did seem to be a set list of of greatest hits type stuff. Who knows? Well, there may be some surprises. Uh, let me read a little bit more from this little news thing. The series brings exclusively filmed concerts to drive-in theaters across North America, giving people the chance to enjoy the show from the comfort and safety of their own vehicles. Features a special guest performance by Three Days Grace. I'm not sure how, <laughs> I'm not sure how special that is. Uh, gives fans an intimate, unique, and truly memorable concert experience. Tickets are 115 bucks, which is a lot sounding, right? But it says each ticket covers up uh, up to six people per vehicle. So 
if you've got enough of those people in your world and you feel safe being around that many people crammed in a car, breathing each other's, uh, you know, recycled air, then it could be a good deal. I know that for many of us, there's only a few people we could convince to go to something like that. And I know a lot of people, for a lot of folks, it's just too much money or the the risk of going on a trip or having to drive an hour or two out of maybe whatever town you live in, which is going to require bathroom stops or gas stops. And some people are just deciding that uh, with SNM2 around the corner and with uh, not really knowing if there's going to be anything that interesting on the set list and not knowing they're going to be safe or sort of opting out. Some people are down to go. Some people are taking their kids. I think Ethan and I are going to go to the closest one to us, but there might be a scheduling conflict, so we don't know. If you are going, of course, be safe. And uh, you need to follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, because that is where you will be able to link up with other Metal Podcast people who might also be going to the same theater you're going to. And you guys can stand six to ten feet apart and talk about your your favorite Metal Up Your Podcast episodes, I guess. Uh, The second thing in the news is SNM2 and the Metallica Vinyl Club uh, orders have started shipping, which is exciting. It's all happening, as they say. It does start to seem real. It doesn't really... I try not to get myself too excited until that box is on the old porch, but it is nice to have been given some tracking information, and you know we'll all be holding this cherished musical object here real soon. Number three, something we did this week that was really last minute but really cool, is we did a Zoom hangout for the Metallica Monday. If you don't know what Metallica Monday is, every Monday Metallica has been streaming a live concert. I think they've done 18 or 19 of them uh, on YouTube. And then if you miss it that night, then you can watch that show, I guess, the rest of the week. Or maybe they're still up. I don't know. And I had the idea last minute. Well, it's an idea planted by a listener and patron named Angelo Gonzalez a couple of months ago. He's like, hey, it would be really fun to do a Metal Up Your Podcast like patron hangout on Zoom because he has one of those Zoom accounts where a million people can can sign on and you can hang out. And I haven't really thought about a way to do that that made sense until Monday. And I was like, what if we all did that with patrons and didn't try to like record it or do commentary? Because it was a it was a show from the St. Anger era, 2004, which is a really kind of fun time to see the boys live as the show would go on to prove. And so I had the idea that I reached out to Angelo and I was like, dude, what, let's get it going. Is that something? And then I hit up the patron and said, is that something people would be interested in? And they were about 15, I guess 15 to 20 people floated in and out. And we all watched the show together. We were able to do a, a screen share. So we're all watching it on the same screen with the same audio. And man, it uh, under the strange circumstances we find ourselves in in the world during a global, global pandemic, it felt like hanging out with a bunch of friends and watching Metallica show together. It was really cool. So... We will be doing more of that. It was a it was a success. And it's of course it's schedule permitting. We are gonna try to do some that aren't just for Metallica Mondays that are gonna be maybe earlier in the afternoon so that it's easier for our, our friends in other parts of the world. We had a couple of people that were for you know, it was like daytime for them in Australia. It was two, three AM for some of our people in Europe. Shout out to Linda who stayed up with us till like four AM for her and then they had to be up at eight the next morning. Good lord good lord. So anyway, the weekly Zoom hangout, we're going to be checking it out. If you're on the fence about becoming a patron, uh, now's the time to do it because we're going to be ramping those up and it's really cool. Speaking of Patreon, we'll do this really quick. Uh, we got a lot of new patrons. And so, you know, from the the deepest recesses of our hearts, we can't thank you enough for the support at this time. It really keeps us excited to, to jump into Metal Up Your Podcast stuff. And it's also just literally helping us get through the pandemic. Uh, for those of you who may not know, Ethan and I are touring musicians. That's what we do. 
That's how we've made our money for decades. And now that's gone. So um, the support over there, this community that we've built and the community of support at Patreon, is just who we never could have even predicted how important it would be to our lives and to our families right now. So I definitely want to say a massive thank you to Christopher Rosales, Jeremy Fulbright, Baron Pitts, Lane Skeeters, Oscari Amonin, and our OG homie, Nick Roller. Now, here's what Nick did, and we get questions about this fairly often. There are people who don't want to do Patreon. They don't want to put give their credit card number to some weird website, which I get. It's not a weird website. They actually, it's really protected and cool over there. But someone might think to themselves, well, I don't really know what it is. That's fine. There is a way that you can just donate. Uh, like Nick just sent us a little bit of, a little bit of, here, this is for you dudes. I respect you guys. I think the work you're doing is valuable. One time thing. You can do that. There's a, um, at metalupyourpodcast.com, which is sort of a, it's not updated as often as I would like to update it, but it is a one-stop shop for a lot of our stuff. There is a, a donate little tab there. You can just donate straight to our PayPal if you are able and if you're willing, if you think the show has value. But I did want to say thank you to all the uh, the patrons. And um, a really easy way to support the show if you, if you don't want to, if you don't have the means or, or you're not really that interested in supporting us financially is just sharing the episodes when they come out. You're all on something. You're all on, uh, well, you're all on black tar heroin probably, but it's our, as far as socials go, you're probably all on Facebook or Twitter and Instagram or something. So when the episodes come out, if you dig them, retweet them, or if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and like all the stuff that everyone's begging you to do now, we have to, we have to do it too. That's the new, it's the new currency of the world. All right, enough about that. You know what to do. The socials I already mentioned, good for the hangouts. Here's the other deal about the Zoom hangout. That's how we let everybody know we were doing it, right? There are people who are like, oh, how we miss that. How will we, you know, it's like, I don't know how else to get info to you guys other than through those socials. So um, go give those a follow. We have an email address. It's metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. I am going to read five this week, but they are short. We'll make it short and sweet because we want to get to that goddamn Howard Stern interview. And I haven't heard it either. So I'm as anxious as you are. So let's go now to the email portal and check these emails out. All right, our first email is from Angelo Gonzalez, who facilitated the Zoom Hangout this past Monday, and he wrote, it, he wrote in about the Zoom Hangout, and I wanted to read it because it was sweet. He says, I wanted to shoot you an email to give a sincere thanks for setting up the Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica Monday watch party. I didn't know how it would go, and I truly felt a part of a community like I haven't in a long time. Don't get me wrong. I have friends and family that I love and consider close, but being part of the Metal Up Your Podcast community is like finding out you had brothers and sisters you didn't know you had, and for me, the watch party was like getting to meet them for the first time. Being so far from Nashville and not getting to go to anniversary parties is a bummer, so this was a great way to finally meet other fans and patrons. Putting faces to names, getting to hang out with other Metallica nerds was a highlight to my week. Thanks for putting all this together and finding ways to connect us Metallica nerds. Love you guys. Can't wait for the next one. Angelo Gonzalez, Houston, Texas, New Jersey. Uh, all very well said, dude. I totally agree. And and I, I'm telling you, dudes, I'm not even guessing. I know it because I am me. I think I'm me. And, uh, and I've actually talked to Ethan about it. We feel the exact same way. We really do. Uh, Alex writes in, Hey guys, it's your old pal Alex from Maidstone, England here. Just wanted to say you guys have been such an important part of me mentally getting through the COVID nightmare. Certainly is so precious right now. Oh, he says certainty is so precious right now. And hearing you two every week is comforting. You feel like old friends, even though we've never met. On the music side, I can't wait for us and him too. I didn't catch it at the theater. Gonna be amazing. 
keep doing what you do. You're a crucial part in all of us Metallica fans' lives. Stay safe and healthy. All the best, Alex. Super sweet, dude. Um, it's cool that you uh, you didn't catch it. You didn't catch it in the theater. And I'm not talking about COVID. <laughs> SNM too. Yeah, I think I actually think Nick Roller, who we had an email coming up from in a second. He didn't catch it either. He mentioned in an email that uh, he's he somehow avoided it all. He didn't listen to our SNM two episodes. So for those of you who've just really treated yourselves by denying yourselves, uh, are are in for a treat, right? Because, well, it's awesome. And the the songs that they've released that I've heard, they've sent us the MP3s for Moth, All in My Hands, and Nothing Else Matters, and they sound great. They sound awesome. So I'm excited for you. And you know, thanks for the email. Doing the show itself has kept us sane because you're right certainty it's like a rhythm a pattern something you can rely on something you can look forward to that's dependable when the world is slipping into chaos those little just those little footholds of of routine something that you can you know you can hang your hat on it that shit's super important and you know i'm i'm beyond honored that we can create that for some of you out there for sure Baron Pitts, new patron, writes, What's up, dudes? Big fan of the show, which I just discovered a little over a month ago and started at episode one, now up to episode 108. Still have a ways to go, but determined to catch up on all the killer episodes. So glad there's a community for all the diehards to connect and discuss everything Metallica. I'm very grateful for all the hard work you guys put into bringing the Metallica family that much closer. Hope to see y'all at a show when the guys start touring again. Whenever y'all are in Orlando, there's a drink waiting for you. All the best to you guys. Stay safe. Keep up the stellar work. P.S. Load and Reload definitely do not suck. Metal up for life. I've been thinking about Orlando because I've been watching a lot of basketball for the first time in my life. And all the dudes in the NBA, that's where they're at. They're all camped out in Orlando, all playing basketball in what's being called the bubble. No family visits, no wives, no girlfriends, no drug dealers, no sexy time. Just work. Just playing ball, dude. It's really cool. And I feel like I'm seeing a camaraderie amongst the players that I don't recognize from, you know, my whole life of sort of nonchalantly watching basketball. These are all dudes who are basically staying in the same hotels, playing in the same venue, and they don't have anyone to hang out with but each other. And I imagine there are a lot of relationships being forged across team lines. A lot of respect I'm seeing. Um, I won't bore you all too much with that, but it has been fun to watch basketball and all that's happening in Orlando. Okay, thanks, Baron Pitts. Ascari Amonin says, Hey guys, after being off the Patreon train for the summer, I've decided to jump back on and support you guys. I've been an avid listener for the past few years and look forward to every episode. Keep up the good work, brothers. Cheers. Well, Ascari, of course we appreciate that, dude. And there are several of you people out there who jump on and off all the time, depending on what's going on in your lives, and I totally get it. I jumped off the uh, Brett Easton Ellis podcast I don't know, for about six months, and then I just jumped back on it. And I'll tell you why, honestly. I thought to myself, here's why I jumped off. Because I've, I realized I wasn't listening to as many of the episodes. I just wasn't listening to it much. And I thought, well, if I'm not listening to it, I'm not going to pay for it, which is pretty reasonable. I, gave myself a, I didn't give myself a hard time about that. But I swear, I was sitting here the other day, maybe a month ago, and I was like, first of all, I want to start listening to them again because I like them. And then I thought, even if I don't listen to them, the show is so fucking good. And it, it really brought me so much joy. And it, it helped me discover some, so much shit that I like. Uh, that I was like, I'm just going to pay for it even if I don't listen. Because he does a thing where it's like two bucks per episode. 
So, I mean, you know, some, some months he puts out three or four episodes and then I'm paying whatever, you know, whatever it is. Some, some months it's just one episode. I'm paying two bucks. I got two bucks. Even during all this shit, believe me, I got $2. But I would never have discovered David Shields without Brady Sinellis, who's now one of my favorite authors, whose books, when I read them, I cry. I cry when I read his books, wet tears, slapping on the page. You ever been reading a book where you read a sentence or a paragraph or a page and you put you fold the book in your hand, hold your place with your finger, and then you just look up and close your eyes and you just think about what you just read and you have one of these weird moments in your life where you feel like you're learning and growing? That happens to me all the time when I read David Shields, okay? I'm telling you, you guys got to look him up. Reality Hunger is a big one. The thing about living is that one day you're going to die is one. The last one I just read, which is my favorite book last year, is called How Literature Saved My Life. Um, Brett Easton Ellis introduced me to that guy. That's worth two bucks a month. Not only for David Shields, but for whatever the next David Shields is going to be that he might introduce me to. So anyway, people hop on and off all the time. Totally get it. We'll end with Nick Roller, the metal lawyer, who says, Dear Sirs, Clint and Ethan... Never used PayPal for this before, so if you could somehow let me know you received it. Okay, yeah, well, we did, by the way. <laughs> uh, he says, as one of the OG Metal Up Your Podcast fam, I just want to say we get it. I think I speak for many of us when I say that we would have never faulted you for compensating yourselves for all you do. Hours upon hours upon hours upon hours have gone into this podcast for us fans. The fact that COVID has made it a necessity changes nothing. It ain't much, but you guys can split a vegan, <laughs> a taste like a football pizza on me. Keep your heads up. Can't wait to meet you guys when the aliens <laughs> rescue us. And there you have it, folks. I mean, good God, we're we're super lucky to know all you people out there. And uh, uh, at the risk of getting into too much cheese, let's take a little break here, a little bit from Bobby Rock. You're going to hear a commercial commercial for Patreon, and then we're going to dip into this interview. And I'm excited. We'll do it together, honey, and we'll do it fucking live. <laughs> You're really good at that. Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover our world blackened ep ticket giveaways for shows like snm2 and slain castle box sets rare vinyl metallica memorabilia like snm2 guitar picks email priority meaning we'll read your email first on the show the chance to ask guests like hailstorm jay weinberg of slipknot and metallica row crew your very own questions and the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our metal tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. All right, we're going to jump into the interview here. I can't recommend Howard Stern highly enough. Once again, you should really check him out. 
He's the Metallica of broadcast radio. You should check out the film Private Parts, one of my favorites, and even the book Private Parts that the film was based on. Amazing story, and uh, I'm sure the interview's great. Now, I skipped a lot of the preamble, and I'm going to be taking out parts of this interview. It's not the full interview. You're going to need SiriusXM to, to uh, hear the full thing or see the full thing if they videoed it. Um, and we'll just be burning down together, and if there are points where we should stop and ruminate on whether, whatever they're talking about, we'll do that. And without further ado, here is the Howard Stern Metallica interview. You know, how did you guys avoid, avoid like uh, avoid. in the 80s when all the fucking metal bands were, you know, wearing spandex and dressing up like women? Uh, a lot of dudes embarrassed themselves now in retrospect. Was there any pressure on you from management, from Metallica to be more commercially successful by like, you know, wearing like, like long, like, I don't know, robes or, you know what I mean? Like, how did you avoid that pressure? Has Howard seen the leopard glove? I kept on laughing at people who dressed like that in our management. We were far, we were far too ugly to look like women. <laughs> you were ugly women. Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> there was no help for us. Until the mid-90s. But when you would see, like, uh, you know, Cinderella or Rat, and, they, and, and you'd watch MTV and these bands would come on, did you ever question yourselves and say, like, maybe that's what it takes? We have to, you know, like, like, like how are we, you know, you, every band wants to be commercially successful in some way. But you guys never fucking sold out like that. And I do admire that. I'm sure somewhere along the line, a manager said, guys, you've got to glam it up a bit. Someone must have said that. Hmm. No, it was actually kind of the opposite because our managers were uh, looking after Dawkin. Remember them? Yeah. Dawkin. And, um, oh, yeah. So it was clear when we signed with our manager, Peter and Cliff. And uh, they had Dawkins, they had a few other bands, and we were just, we were the, yeah, that, that Def Leppard, which were obviously the biggest band in the world at that time. And we were the antithesis to that. We were the opposite. And that was the premise that we joined them uh, for management with. So they were actually fiercely protective of us, uh, staying away from all that. And all the bands that we were inspired by, all the British bands or European bands like Motorhead and Iron Maiden and Saxon and so on, they were... They, their whole thing was dressing down and leather jackets and leopard gloves. just that street look and kind of came out of the punk aesthetic, too. Yeah, because early on, I, I, I was thinking about this. While nude. When you think about rock, like when I was growing up, the hardest fucking metal bands were really Led Zeppelin, Tesla, ACDC, uh, you know, uh, maybe Sabbath. You know, it, 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 it was that kind of thing. And then when you guys first came on. I couldn't even comprehend how fucking heavy the sound sound. It was really innovative. I mean, it was totally different. And whenever I think of Metallica, I think of those early years where it's legendary that you guys were driving around in a van and you, you, know, you couldn't get arrested, really. <laughs> I would think there must have been some discussion among the band, like, do we have to go and change our sound or, or somehow become, I wouldn't say pop, but maybe more mainstream metal, because the sound was so different. People would argue the Black Album was that. How do you keep that integrity going? Feels right. Well, we just played. We just played what we liked. That, that, as simple as that. Our our influences were like what Lars was saying. You know, a lot of the European, uh, more down to earth, just gritty riffs and straight ahead drum beats. No flashy, you know, stick spinning and all the all of the extra things. The music was what was the most important thing, and we didn't want to have any other thing get in the way of that no masks no s special costumes mm, or anything that you right. kind of get stuck in you know 
Would you laugh at a band like Kiss when, would, uh, seriously, oh, would no, you don't see make a fun band of like that and they're putting on makeup and they're putting on these ridiculous outfits? Don't make fun of Kiss. Would you guys laugh at that or could you have some admiration for what they were doing? Well, well Kiss, they did it the best. Yeah. I mean, as, far, as far as wearing makeup and that whole presentation. Get them, Kurt. But, I mean, Alice Cooper, too, was yeah, another. Yeah, but yes. all, all the other bands, I mean, there's their approach is so different from ours. I mean... Our approach was was kind of based around how we were as people, as well, you know, yeah. and uh, and so the, I don't think that there was it was in our personalities to like you know project ourselves that way. Yeah. Kiss yeah. were more, uh, Kiss were more characters. So Kiss were cool. They're defending Kiss. I loved that's, Kiss for seventy five through seventy seven, seventy eight. Uh, it was more, you know, when we were starting in L A. in eighty one, the bands that were sort of the antithesis as to what we were doing, kind of Isn't like that word again? Rat and Motley Crue and so on. They had a a different thing. They came out more out of the glam background. Uh, right. So Kiss for us, I mean, I think all of us had a, a at one point a love affair with Kiss, but they love were it. sort of cool what they were doing. The the bands, we, we started in L.A., so it's 1981 in L.A. We're listening to Motorhead. We're listening to all these bands. T-shirts, jeans, you know, uh, and then we're starting to play a few shows up in Hollywood and everything that was playing up on Sunset Boulevard at, you know, the Whiskey and the Troubadour and Gazaris and all those were all those bands that Classic. had that image. And it fueled us. It made us want to be the opposite to that. And everything that I was going through in my childhood and, and when James and I hooked up, it was the same thing. It was, we were outsiders and we always felt like outsiders and that was kind of our fuel. We were just so different and and we just, we we felt the, a kinship to each other and we were fueled against all those other bands that proved to us what we didn't want to be. Fuel desire. When you talk about the fueling, see, this is something <laughs> I relate to. When I got into my radio career, I was an angry motherfucker. As far as I was concerned, everyone else on the radio was bullshit. This was my attitude. Everybody sucked. I was the only fucking thing. I was the only thing that was worth listening to. It was, it was crazy. And, and, and in a way, wouldn't you need that same kind of anger? I just imagine Metallica early on was like, hey, you know, fuck uh, this band you know <laughs> forget the fucking stones and fuck the beatles and fuck everybody we're metallica we're unique do you know what i'm saying there's almost an totally, anger in it totally, an irrational yeah. anger about it uh, no fully i mean i totally agree with what you're saying i mean that's why it's a little weird to sit 36 38 years later and kind of diss on these people because we've gone through the exact same transformation we just kind of sit there and go these are our peers now and we totally respect these guys in different ways but back then you're 18 years old you're just fueled by being an outsider by like you say this hatred and this fierce belief in who you are belief in who you are and all those other bands that was just that was the uh, the enemy the opposition that was who stood in our way for for achieving what we wanted to do which was to bring this kind of different music that was not present in LA or on the west coast of America at that time to as many people as possible. It reminds me of a U2 interview I once heard where either Bono or The Edge were talking about, you know, like, by themselves as individuals, pretty insecure, pretty humble, pretty bashful about their various talents. He's like, but if you put us together on a stage, we're the best fucking band in the world. They believed it. It was this, like, group ego 
that wasn't that kind of gross individual thing. It was more like when we're together, we're unstoppable. And I think all great bands have that. All great bands have that. Metallica did for sure. You consider it a mission, don't you? You consider it like, hey, you know what? This is something, this is my personal mission in life to bring something brand new to people and to really stick with it. Have you ever gone back and had to apologize to other bands that you worked with on tour because you guys were angry and pissed off? I know that anger. You have to have it if you're going to succeed. It's, it's, you've got to, have you, yes. have you, you have. That's been well, a couple yeah, of, uh, yeah, I mean, couple of incidents. We're, we're, we're still getting around to that. There was a lot there. You know, it fueled a lot of not only our angst and anger around whatever was out there that we didn't like. And we wanted to change radio just like you did. We wanted right. to change uh, people's perception of music uh, and how, how free it made us feel. Uh, you know, college radios definitely helped a lot. Um, but there was a lot of bands that, you know, were talking crap about us, you know, right. which actually helped us in a way, too. It's like Michael Jordan. You know? And then we'd actually end up touring with some of those bands like, uh -oh. you know, Motley Crue yeah, or no, something there a... in there. Oh, uh, I'm sorry about what I said in that uh, yeah. that Cream magazine interview. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I didn't read it, but. Thank you. <laughs> we had a we had a tour book, a tour. Remember tour programs? Uh, these big glossy, like thirty-two oh, pages, all love full em. color. That was like the pride of, of the tour. So I think it was on the Black Album tour. We found every single negative review, fucking negative, nasty quote that anybody had ever said about Metallica. Nikki, and there was a lot it. of them. And yeah. we put them all in that tour book. And some from, of them were me. Yeah, from some from, of them were James. You know, from, uh, Motley Crue to the cult to all these critics who were talking shit. And we had them all in there. And it was just kind of the way that we would just get kind of back at these people. You know, there was a, in the Nothing Else Matters video, uh, which was uh, filmed around the studio in L.A. one-on-one -on -one when we were recording the Black Album. Uh, we had a dartboard and, you know, we'd get like James saying Cream Magazine, Circus Magazine, Kerrang! Magazine. And we'd take you know, posters of people who look particularly obnoxious and put them up on the dartboard. And then we would throw darts at it. And there's a, there's a clip in that video where I'm throwing darts at a picture of Kip Winger. Remember Kip Winger? <laughs> Kip oh, Winger, yeah. And, uh, and listen, He's only still to this day, I, I feel like a, a, I apologize to, you know, whenever it's brought up in interviews, it's like there was nothing against Kip Winger personally. Have you looked him up? <laughs> Have you tried to find him? It's, it's come back to me a couple times. Times over the years, but we would we would play gig. Remember, we played at Donington. We played with Rat, right. and we would be in the hotel bar the night before, hanging out with members of Rat and you know, uh, Robin Crosby and and I mean, all of them were super cool dudes. Steve Piercy, yeah, all those dudes. It, but there was a obviously Some rat a little trivia. bit of a public thing that that needed to be fueled also. But God, uh, the word for this interview like, was kind of like what you're saying. It. it if you, 35 years later, it feels awkward to sit and talk about that, but you can't deny that when you're 18 and full, full of spunk and venom and, and just uh -oh. wanted to fuck the whole world. You hey. know? Yeah, I, you know, I try to explain Earmuffs. that to people because for, for years I was like, I anti everybody in radio. 
And now I look back on that anger and I go, man, that I don't even know that I maybe did I need that kind of fucking energy? Did yes. I really need to be at war with everybody? Yes. I mean, what, 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 what? All the anger wasn't really about my fellow DJs. It was really about some shit I'd gone through in life. You know what I mean? It's all pretty well documented in Howard's story, and in the, I'm telling you, you guys go watch the movie Private Parts tonight. The the shit he was dealing with with like Don Imus and the the established guard of radio DJs at the time. And that's pretty funny. You do need that. You need, it's fuel as they keep saying, by the way, let's do who's doing the drinking game for how many times Metallica and Howard Stern say the word fuel or fueling check back in with me in 10 minutes. If you can still stand up, but it does drive you. It does drive you. And, 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 and it, 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 it's, it's an incredible drive, you know? And, and and, Honey, and Kip Wingo works at Starbucks now, so I guess you guys have uh, <laughs> the ultimate vindication. Hey, he's got a job. That's awesome. Yeah, you're you damn know? right. I don't knock it. Today, that makes a lot of difference, yes. That's well, right. I love what you're saying, Howard, because it's true that uh, should I have been that way? Should I have been different? No. It happened because it That's right. happened. That's right. And it had to happen to get where we are right now to respect the past and to respect our enemy and all of the things that fueled us and brought us to where oh, we there's are there's fuel. Now. Take a shot. And, you know, uh, as you might know, you know, the first half of your life is causing destruction and the second half of your life is maybe cleaning a bit of it up. You know? Right. Apologizing for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, no, I, 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 I've given a couple of those apologies. Yeah. How, Howard, so, so, Howard, I have a question for you. Yes. So, so, Howard, I have a question for you. Are, do you feel like you're still angry? Because, you know, I still feel that that anger is fueling my, my, mm, fuel. my music as well still. I feel, listen, the anger is never going to go away. But there's been a certain maturing in my life where I sit there and go, you know what? How come I couldn't admit, like, I am one of the biggest Led Zeppelin fans in the world. I, that music saved my life when I was a teenager sitting alone in my room. And I love Jimmy Page and I love Robert Plant and, and, and Bonzo, the whole, the whole fucking organization. <laughs> and yet I would get on the radio sometimes and goof the shit out of Robert Plant and like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? He isn't a, a, a goddamn uh, a Viking. He's carrying on. You know? And I talk about his belly being exposed while he was singing. And you would think that I hated, you know, you would, you would think that I hated Led Zeppelin. And then there was a point in my life where I go, I love Led Zeppelin. Why am I goofing on these fucking guys? I, I think they're great. He loves the whole organization. They're, they're, they're a great band. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I still have that anger, but I've, I've I've explored it a little bit and said I gotta be upfront. You know, I I'm a fan. I'm not I'm not angry totally. with them. You know, we can totally we can totally relate to every one of every one of those points of view. I mean, we would sit and just diss on everybody else, and and ultimately, you know, to make ourselves feel better about who we were, or came out of insecurities or a sense of not fitting in anywhere. You know. Yeah, because yeah, have... you'd sit down with those guys, like you were saying, and they're just people, too. At the end right. of the day, we're all trying to get through life. We're all trying to do what we enjoy. Make art. Why right. should I put down whatever you're doing just because I'm doing something different? That's right. So, yeah. And isn't there something nice about coming to that conclusion? Because you can learn something from these people. It's so true, man. Even in my small world and the touring that I've done, there are always bands or artists that you talk shit about or that are just uncool to like and then you end up doing a festival or a tour with them and then you realize that everyone's just trying to make music and everyone's on their own path 
then you like their shit. You always are more endeared to whatever the work someone's doing when you've actually shared a beer or a meal with them and you respect them and realize that we're on the same team trying to do the same thing. Pretty important part of moving through life. Glad they're talking about that. It's really cool. I mean, they're fellow musicians. You know what I mean? They're, they're not, they, they, some of them are very skilled while they might not be into what you're into. But at the time, it seems you know, like you need that anger. You know, I was watching, I love watching that rehearsal you guys did with Lady Gaga. Oh boy. Because, and I'll tell you why, because it's mind blowing to me that Metallica teamed up with Lady Gaga at the Grammys and the rehearsal video, first of all, she walks in, she's not wearing any pants. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking uh, like what, like I'm looking at, I'm looking at James in that video. I'm going, he must be saying, Jesus Christ, maybe I should tell her she's not wearing pants, but it's like the Emperor's <laughs> new clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but I, I, I go, wow, look at the, look at, look at these guys. They're able to say, Hey, here's a fellow musician. Let's have some fun with her. We don't have to be, but I, when you were younger, you would never have worked in a room with Lady Gaga. Am I correct? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like this. Yeah. After a while, you, you kind of get mature about it all and realize that we're all in this together, you know? Right. Oh, and I just respect her as an artist. You know, we had chatted with her before she walked in and, you know, she, she was there for two hours before we even got there working right. on her moves and thinking stuff up. She's extremely creative and she's a, a fearless artist. So, and also yeah. when you get, when you get to know a few of these people better, you, you start understanding obviously more about their background and Lady Gaga in particular. I mean, she loves metal has been vo very vocal about her love for metal all the time and would show up at iron maiden shows and anthrax shows and she was shows. telling me that you know metal militia which is this deep cut on on our first album kill em all was her favorite song you know wow. back in the day and so obviously with crazy that that whole thing was was uh, very authentic and true to yeah, no, it really was. I mean, I actually, I, I, I love that rehearsal video. It really has some great She's energy incredible. to it. Incredible. But I never thought in my life I would see James singing vocals with Lady Gaga and trading off with her. I mean, it just, it was, it was kind of mind blowing. Would you guys ever consider now that you're, you know, you know, in a different time and place, would you ever say to like um, somebody out of left field, maybe Lady Gaga, someone like that, let's write a song together let's collaborate on something. Would that be insane? Because in essence, all music, whether it's metal, rock, pop, it's all about the melodies. It's all about, you know, the, any, any great song it can come about even if you mix up these things or would that be just, would, would that just be something that could never happen? Honey, please. We, we did a version of that called Lulu with Lou yeah. Reed. Oh boy, Lou here Reed. we go. I Lulu know. talk. And, yeah. and we also did um, a thing uh, back in the day, we did it that again. That was not as as, as well known as the Lulu thing with uh, Ja Rule oh, and Swiss Beats. Wow. Uh, so we've done stuff with different artists. I think can't believe for we uttered Metallica, it. It's there's. I don't think there's any artists that we wouldn't consider as long as we respect them and appreciate their craft. It's more that as a band we're really insular and we've always prided ourselves in the fact that we kind of do our own thing and we don't run off and do guest appearances on other albums and we don't have a lot of yeah, see one Mr. guest Jason Newstead. our own albums and so on. So we're fiercely kind of protective and insular about what we do. But as far as other artists are concerned, if we were to do it, I think there's a whole slew of people uh, both in rock and in pop and in, in different genres that we respect and would work with right. if we were to work with somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah, because I'll tell or you. Or like a hundred symphony people. 
I mean, well, yeah, I want. I got to get to that because I was actually at that concert the first time you guys got together with the symphony. I got a million questions about that. And and talk about intimidation. I mean, that is kind of the thing too. I mean, the four of us jam together because we know each other. We know how far to push each other. We we know each other's buttons and and our insecurities. When you get new people in, it's a little difficult, you know. Well, I'll tell you what. I saw the craziest thing once. It was back in the '90s. I had Steven Tyler on my show, and in the same show i had papa john phillips of the mamas and the papas hmm. back in the green room steven tyler turns to papa john phillips and says hey man you want to get together and write let's just see what comes of it and i thought that was the coolest thing because here's you know aerosmith and going to a guy like from the Papa mamas and the papas and i thought that's really fucking out there that's like really you know thinking outside the box and papa john phillips turns to steven tyler and goes no, nah, man, I, I I don't write with other. I don't want to write with you wow. like that. Like and, and Aerosmith. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I thought, I, I thought like Stephen was being magnanimous saying that. But you know, it, to me, that's an interesting kind of proposition. You know, to 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 mesh those two worlds. You know, two worlds collide. Uh, and see what comes of. Well, I don't know. Howard, I got to say, I was uh, out one night and I Roberto. was hanging out with Lemmy, and I knew Joni Mitchell at the time. Name and, dropper. Uh, and then she showed up and sat next to me and Lemmy and both of them were, you know, chain smokers. And I'm in the middle of this. But at the same time, I was like, this is magic. And Lemmy looks at Joni and was like, you know, what fucking chords are you playing? And, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> off the Court and Sparks album or something. And she looked over at him and called him actually Lenny. Well, Lenny, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, like, how do you know? So they had this conversation going because it was the first time they met. Ended up being that uh, Lemmy was a huge fan of Joni Mitchell, you know? Wow, I mean, yeah. He was like, really touched and honored to be with her at that moment. Good old so, Lenny. Yeah, know, I mean, Joni it, I mean, Mitchell is a good example of what I'm saying. You're absolutely right. Like, like, like she writes great songs. So what? So, like, what the fuck would it be if Metallica wrote a song with with Joni Mitchell? I just, you know, I don't know. It just, it seems crazy. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. I thought the Lou Reed thing was a great experiment on your guys' part. I mean, Lou Reed, who's better than fucking Lou Reed? I mean, you know, the guy wrote about heroin. He walked about walk on the wild side. Sweet Jane, all that. It was the it, coolest, it, and it was right in this room, right where we are here. Lou stood right, basically in between James and Kirk and it was uh, and it was an incredible summer eight eight nine years ago and first of all when Lou comes to you and says do you guys want to make make a record do a project together we would never say no to something like that just for the experiment value of it and then I mean it was the coolest summer and then we went around and did uh, European TV for a couple two three weeks uh, when the record came out and the memories of that I'll always treasure and I know everybody in the band has a f- a f- you know fond memories of that time it was uh, incredible wouldn't change a thing and the fact that it's sort of kind of pissed more straight you know square metal dudes off a little bit I think is good to always uh, fuck with the perceptions a little bit and yeah it's awesome I, I loved it I love was it. Lou was Lou I always heard he was like one of the I mean he, he didn't like me for a bunch of reasons but he, I always heard that he was um the angriest motherfucker on the planet like <laughs> like it made made you guys look calm you know what I mean yeah I, yeah I think it was just I mean it was a it was a protective shield man he he got fucked over so much and and when you talk to a lot of people 
a lot of the musicians from his generation, um, so many of those dudes in the 60s and 70s just got fucked over by their managers, by the agents, by the record companies. And, you know, the musician at that time was at the bottom of the whole food chain. And I think he carried so much resentments and, and, and that thing that he had, especially like you were saying with the press and so on, was just a shield to keep everybody at bay. I mean, he was even with us uh, a little bit that we met him out in New York. We were doing that show at Madison Square Garden. It took a little while, uh, but once the ice broke in the rehearsal room and he knew he could sense that he was safe with us and that we were all kind of brothers in arms and, 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 and kind of we shared certain uh, outsider elements, uh, he totally let his guard down and then he was the sweetest man Really? Uh, and yeah, it was absolutely so fucking sweet. It was, uh, I think we all in some way kind of became protective over him, right? Um, yeah. He held yeah. me. It was really, really funny because uh, when we were in here jamming, you know, he had, a, he had his own kind of set of rules, right? And so when we were playing some song, I stepped on the wall pedal and he instantly ran up to the microphone and said, no. <laughs> and he goes, no wall pedal, wow. no guitar solos, no. And I was like, whoa. Why, why <laughs> would a guy, why would a creative have no's? I mean, what if the wah pedal really fucking works? I mean, why not be open to it? Why would I mean, someone what creative is it like, have a nose? Why, is that a cool factor? Hey, man, I don't use wah pedals. It's got to be the pure sound of the guitar. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, uh, what, what is that? That's like my parents won't get a computer, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. It's like telling Kirk not to breathe oxygen. This is what happened, all right? He said, no guitar solos, all right? So one song, I, I thought, oh, we need a guitar solo. So I had to write Lou a letter. I had to send him <laughs> wow. a letter. Wow. And I had to wait and wait and wait for had his to have reply. It notarized. He never replied. I saw him the next day at rehearsal, and he said, oh, I got your email, by the way. Oh, it was an and email. that was it. That was no. the only <laughs> reply back. I just got it. <laughs> but what no, was yes, his... no, 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 no. Just I got your email. <laughs> but, what was, but what was Lou's point That's of view? Baller. Like, 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 like uh, I think I'm trying to think of his songs because God, I love Lou Reed. But, but, like, like there were guitar, there were tons of guitar solos yeah, on, on there, uh, there were guitar did... solos on our album too. I, yeah. I think he just he would show up with certain beliefs, aesthetics, or whatever, and until you sort of either maybe it was a test a little bit of you know well fuck you i want to do a guitar solo and then maybe he would respect you more for standing up for your own point of view i don't know i mean obviously hal wilner rest in peace sounds exhausting uh, who we just lost a few months ago uh, to COVID, actually uh, who was there hmm. kind of being the referee and um sort of producing and overseeing that um with our guy greg fiddleman it, it, it yeah, was yeah greg it was a time of experiment, and it was a time of of trying new things. And and you know, uh, like we're saying, Lou standing right over there. We would kind of uh, say, "Let's try this, let's try that." We'd be out here, kind of on um, you know, just feeling our way through something, like we would do uh, on this floor. And then uh, you would go in and listen to it in the control room in there, and Lou would be like, "Okay, that's great, that's a take," and we're like. <laughs> 
We haven't even played it yet. <laughs> it's, not even a song. Well, it's not a song like yet. Yeah. I'm not singing that again. We don't need to do that again. That's fine. So it was such a, it was such a, a different approach and such a different aesthetic. And I think for us, we learned a lot about just being in the moment and not fucking overthinking everything and overdoing in 28 takes and all that shit. So uh, again, I guess it was a great I, summer, man. Lou, ac guess, Lou actually welcomed mistakes. I remember him saying that mistakes were a good thing you know and, yeah uh, like lou like lou is like the ed wood of uh, of uh, music he just <laughs> no second take i mean that's it let's go baby actually welcome to but, the uh, you know, hey how important is it to metallica what brand of guitar that you play or it, it doesn't really could, could i hand you any guitar and you guys can make music or is it that specific good question I like getting different guitars just to play them because they, they they make, make you, you play, play different. different. They sound different. Hmm. Right. They have, I think wild. they have songs in them still. And if they choose me to come out with, that's cool. Uh, but I think every guitar has its unique character. And if I'm able to get something out of it, I think that's great. But What I brand of guitar is are. that? What, what are you playing right now? Well, ESP is what I play. And I have since, gosh, 80, 85 uh, 86 when we hooked up and they make me what I like. And that's kind of, they're a company that don't say no, like, like Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I want a wah pedal inside here. <laughs> yes. So when you just, they, when, they, they, yeah, nice they, call they, they, uh, they are very accommodating and I, I like being the big fish in a small pond. So I'm, I'm that guy in that company. And when I, yeah, no when I say, Hey, I'd like this and they send it out. So it's great. when you when you you were just strumming that guitar, right? Like, like what, I mean, if you put up your if you put up the sound on that, is there some sound that you get out of that guitar that you can't get out of any other guitar? Most likely. Uh, Let me hear something. Wood. Oh, he's yeah, talking into a mic, I guess. Pickups. Yeah, it's it, it, but but no if Egyptian I hand, shit. <laughs> right, you would say too. No, no Egyptian well, shit. Belly dancer. Well, now you've no now you've got me. Shit. Yeah. Well, I got I got. Sound like he was doing a little. And then when we when we after the song we got to like talk about what you guys Rome. are up to with this orchestra thing because uh, I, I I am a, a big fan of that. Um, the, the first song up wherever uh, you know wherever I may roam. Um, That's right. Uh, this is from the Black Album, and. Yep. Uh, just answer a question about this song before you play it. The, the, the intro is something called an electric sitar you use. It's kind of like an electric guitar and you plug it in and it goes on and you strum it and you play it and you sort of roam like a vagabond on the electric sitar. Yes, choral but, electric sitar. Yeah. All right. The regular sitar, I remember when Ravi Shankar came out with the sitar. I remember George Harrison using the sitar on Sgt. Pepper's for the first time. It blew my mind no, when I heard a sitar being used in a wood. rock song. No, Rubber when, Soul. When, when, um, Come on, Howard. What is an electric sitar? Is that something you guys created especially for the song? Hmm. No, uh, there, this company called uh, Silvertone made this this uh, guitar that's, that's similar, very similar to a sitar, and it has 
uh, a bunch of uh, strings that are that are attached to the sitar that you don't even play. They ring out because on a regular sitar you have like well, thirty two strings or something crazy like that. But on a electric sitar, you have your standard six strings, and then across it you have a bunch of other strings that ring out simultaneously Just and it droning. Creates, yeah, yeah, drones and creates the sitar sound. And uh, yeah, you you hear it a lot in the '60s and a lot of like R&B and early soul stuff. Right. Yeah, and, and it's and tuned it, like a regular guitar, so it's easier for yeah, much you know, easier to real play. smart guys like us to play it. <laughs> and when you when you first introduce that, is that also a discussion like, hey, we've never used a sitar before? Is it like a Lou Reed kind of discussion? Hey, we can't use a sitar, an electric <laughs> sitar, or is it like you're open to it? Because everything to me in Metallica has to be discussed. Am I correct? Uh, yeah. Let me confirm that for you. <laughs> <laughs> we need to discuss yeah. that question. Yeah. Great response. <laughs> Hilarious. Dudes are funny. Certain songs just suggest certain things, and that the, the scale of that song is kind of uh, Eastern melodic scale kind of stuff. And, 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 belly dancer and, shit. Yeah, belly dancer <laughs> shit. And, you know, as Lou Reed would call it, <laughs> right. belly dancer shit. And it sounds good when you play the belly dancer shit on a belly dancer type guitar, <laughs> like a chorus right. guitar. <laughs> All right, I'll let you boys do this. Speaking speaking of discussions, uh, about twelve seconds before we went to air, we were having a discussion about whether we should start with the sitar on tape, or whether we should just go into the song, or whether whatever the fuck did we reach a decision? Yeah, yeah what intro do we like a Rome tape? Stern, it just doesn't feel right. Okay, no intro tapes. Okay. So in I other just... words, you're not going to use the sitar on this version. <laughs> Robbie Shankar didn't show up. Sitar is After in all of that <laughs> discussion. Yeah. 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 We have a spare sitar. Uh, sitar uh, is in the other room on a, a really high shelf that I can't reach. <laughs> Justin, can do... you go get the sitar real quick? <laughs> I actually do play the sitar, so I'll uh, I'll jam with you boys. Oh, great. All right, all right listen. Uh, can Here I just we get go. some level, James, for a second? Just hit. Cool hearing him jam. Sorry, the uh, sound check this morning uh, didn't happen. I, I, by the way, why do I love so much to hear stuff like that? I love the rehearsal. Yeah. I love that process. Candid. Like just hearing you guys do that now is is worth everything to me. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's. I like to hear the individual instruments interacting with each other. I love that. Nice. Honey, please. I want to do a show with you guys of that. How you put together. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Come on, write a song. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah, you you guys will throw me out of the room. You would think I was kept winger and throw me right out. Throw darts at you. Do you play yourself? Do you play yourself, Howard? Yeah, I play with myself, sure. I knew he was going to make that joke. I think that's a little personal this early in the morning. Well, you know. We can be your karaoke band. Yes. We can be your Metallica karaoke band if you want. Yeah, and by the way, I'll let oh, I'll let you, I'll let you play the wah wah pedal of my song. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right on, thanks, man. Shit, that sounds good, dude. Playing it slow. Rob sounds great. I don't think I've ever heard it this slow.
pretty good vocals for six in the morning. Man, listen to how nasty that bass sounds, dude. Kirk sounding real good. Nice, Kirk.
kind of like when you go on stone and you play robe. And the earth becomes your bride. And you go on. Good Lord, I love it. I love wow. it. Good morning. I don't like it. Whoa. I love it. Oh, that my God. great. Robin, you. Robin just whipped her breast out. She was going wild. <laughs> you, you should have seen it. <laughs> Ooh, James wild. liked that joke. She took her pants off like Lady Gaga. <laughs> you were playing with yourself again. Uh, oh, my, oh, yes. <laughs> I totally played by myself. Some morning of callbacks. No, but, you know, I mean, what a, what a fucking energy. Where, by the way, where, where are you guys? And I, I noticed you're able to be together in the same room. Did you guys have to go through with this quarantine? I mean, I'm, I'm taking this thing very seriously. Uh, the decision to get together in the same room uh, had to be a big decision, right? I mean, I, 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 got, I got my mask right here. Yeah, you got your mask, but you're not wearing it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to perform that way. When yeah, we we're, were when we were rehearsing last week for what three four days in here, I I rehearsed all four days, three or four, whatever it was, with my mask on the whole time. Right. Mm. James James obviously has to oh, say you get the mask award. But do yeah, you? Do no, you, we did, got we got tested practically right. every other day or something crazy yeah. Yeah. we'd have to come in and they'd shove a stick in your face and touch the back of my head it's crazy yeah by the way how uncomfortable is that test when they stick that stick up your nose it's not, it's not so easy right well i'm kind of used to that when they do like a throat like a scope you know yeah. for being a singer they'll put the camera down your nose down into your throat and Oof. make you sing and Yikes. see if you got nodes or whatever but yeah. uh it's still not fun i agree howard it's not fun to have a stick shoved in your in your face i used to do a lot of drugs oh and boy so right. it just reminds me of that <laughs> wow what a comment so you're now but revealing no this yeah. <laughs> i never knew Kurt. i'm so i'm so How, shocked howard howard stern exclusive kurt used to do a lot of drugs <laughs> we call tmz the problem with kurt is there's there's no high afterwards yeah well can you can, can you give me a can you give me a list of those drugs that you were doing? Yeah, later on I will. Yeah, I'll send but, you. But, a, no, we. But but to your question, we had a we've had a great team for what the last ten days or so. Uh, I think there's what uh, maybe twenty five, thirty people here. All our great crew and everybody who helps out and makes Metallica happen. Uh, we've had a we called it our own little bubble here. It kind of uh, when we were setting this up a little while ago, obviously referencing the uh, NBA uh, situation down in Florida and whatever different uh, groups or entities do when they get together. So we, everybody's been tested, like James said, every couple of days, and uh, we feel safe, and, uh, you know, we got a bubble here, and it, it's How it's hard cool. is it, though, how hard is it for you boys, seriously, not to be able to go on the road, play in front of fans? I mean, in a way, your whole lives are set up for that, and, of course, the livelihoods of your crew. But, but, the, but, but really, even from a family dynamic, you guys are used to, I don't want to call it an escape, but you're able to leave and go on the road for months. Uh, is this affecting you guys psychologically, uh, just as individuals being home this much and, 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 and kind of being locked down? I, I hate the part that we can't just go out and tour. And that, that sucks. And not being able to reach our audience and having to cancel shows, that's super disappointing. And that just playing out sucks. Right. I mean, it, it's it's like Kirk is saying. It's it's the good and the bad. An unexpected blessing for me has been to have uh, two of my oldest boys are at NYU, and to have them home since March has been a great blessing. So, obviously, unexpected family time, which is always cool. But you know, in the last 
10 years or so maybe uh, we've set up touring in a way that really works for us uh we do much shorter spurts we rarely go out for more than two weeks in a row and so we found a way some balances in there so we got family time and and touring life and so on and it's we found a way for it to really work and so those two weeks away on the road have always been it's kind of like I'm running away with the boys, going out for, you know, joining the man cave for two weeks or whatever, <laughs> and then going home. And so it, we, we sort of found a way for it to feel like it was finally balanced after maybe 20 years or so of not feeling it was balanced. So um, I missed the part of, of connecting with the fans and, and being out kind of amongst it. But, uh, you know, and, and there's so many people who've had such a rough go of it, obviously, in the last five, six months. But an unexpected pleasure has been to sort of connect with family at a different level. Lars, are those the two boys that are in that video online who are playing guitar? One, one's a bass player and one's a drummer? That's right, yeah, Miles and Lane, yeah. Yeah, they're fucking uh, amazing musicians. Is this what they want to do? Are they, are they going to become musicians? Are they going to be Metallica Jr. or what? What is going on uh, here? I hope there would be more than Metallica Jr. there. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, Miles, the oldest one, was up at uh, Berkeley School of Music up in Boston for a couple of years, and, and both of them are at NYU. They, they love music, they love playing, and, and unlike... When Metallica started back in the day, their 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 scope is super uh, wide, and they play a lot of different things from jazz to rock to all kinds of fusion stuff. I mean, they're super fucking talented. Yeah, and, no, there's um, a video online of them playing Eleanor Rigby of all things, like a metal version of Eleanor Rigby, mm. and uh, uh, I was I was quite impressed with them, and I and I think it would be very hard to be musicians and to be the child of a musician who's super successful. I mean, the last thing you want to do is go into the same business as your super successful dad. But they seem to really have something going on. Well, Thanks, I mean, man. No, they're, they're they're really uh, they're really passionate, and we have a little studio jam room at the pad, and I mean, they're they're fucking in there like. 14 16 hours a day when i gotta go in there and and practice or warm up i practically have to throw them out of the room so it, it's it's definitely good to see james what about in terms of being in this uh, lockdown and especially in terms of your your sobriety is it t oh. i know a lot of people are struggling with this so go maybe in there, you can huh? give us some insight is it particularly difficult with the lockdown because i find i get into these depressions i get like and I'm a loner, and I actually like being locked down, but I get fucking crazy sometimes. You know, you know what I mean? Sometimes. Yes. Sometimes. All right, all the time. I get sane sometimes. It's more like it. Yeah, I tell you, it's uh, – and not to downplay all the, the difficulties that are happening with, with COVID, but for me, it's a real blessing that I get to actually be home uh, in Colorado for more than two weeks, uh, you know, and as and as ironic as it sounds, building a community which I never had before, you know, because you know, all right, uh, I'm here for a couple of weeks. Now I got to go because I so I can't do this with you. I can't go fishing. I can't do this. The bees. Now being at home, almost having a schedule, having, you know, okay, I'm gonna have a barbecue every Wednesday, or we're gonna come over and have cigar fire pit on this day, and then we got this going on. So actually. Building a community of friends that I did not have at home before. So it has been a blessing uh, in that way. Uh, but as far as sobriety goes, you know, really just needing to stay co connected. I totally agree uh, that I am a loner too. And I think that that lone, that lone wolf, romantic lone wolf mentality, uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. Um, 
but I do need my space and my time. And I have found that, but I've also, uh, I've, I've built a pretty amazing community of people and friends that I can so, lean back on that I've never had really before. You think in the past, you probably never would have admitted that it made you seem weak or uh, a pussy, you know, and, and now you, you, you wise up and you go, you know what? I'm human. Of course I need other people. I'm human. This is, this is bullshit. <laughs> what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing yeah. it. Just human. embracing humanity and the humanness of me and not, you know, pr- the humanness tired of, of pretending me. to be something more than human and, and Minus having human. friends that are, are there for you. I, I never trusted people enough to do that. Obviously the band, uh, and, and a tight little circle, but there's, there's, uh, I don't know, having a little more comfort in the world and no, noticing that there's more. Maybe more uh, lifeguards than sharks out there. You recently put out a book about your car collection. And I know you yeah. work with your hands a lot. You're always fucking doing manly, masculine things. <laughs> um, and uh, do you worry about your hands? You're a guitar player. Fuck? You know you're masculine, like, like me. I, you, know what I, you know what I was doing? I watched Kissing Booth. I bet none of you guys have watched <laughs> Kissing Booth on Netflix. I love it. Oh, but my God. You don't, even know, you don't even know what I'm talking about, right? They don't know what that is. Sorry. I'll check it out. Howard, I'll no, check you it won't. out at all. No, you don't won't. Trust bother. me. Don't bother. Don't bother. Hey, listen. Now I'm with Metallica. I'm being masculine. But, but, but uh, you know, my, my point is, do you worry about your hands? All you guys, as your musicians, guitar players, why are you always chopping things up, uh, uh, James, and, and you know, working on cars and doing all this shit? Why, <laughs> why are you chopping things up? I love yes. that question. Cannibal court. What is going I, on? I, I don't know. I my hands are here to be used and uh i think just like with with covid or whatever else that comes our way the challenge is to adapt to it not that i can play with missing a few fingers that's not my challenge but right. i love building stuff i like uh i like you know that uh, that lone wolf time for me is me in the garage just getting lost and disappearing into like building a, a table or welding something or whatever, I maybe just table. getting lost in that. And yeah. also in song, songwriting too. A lot also of that. Also in on. song. Yeah, I got to get into welding. I'm too much of a pussy. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I enough of that. Yeah, enough, enough of yeah, that. What do you hey, do with watercolors? Right. <laughs> I paint watercolors. <laughs> all right. Let, so, 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 so we understand. You guys now, uh, like James, you just said you live in Colorado, but but now where are you? You're in L.A. We're in San Francisco. Yeah, we're in the Bay Bay Area. Okay, you're in San Francisco. We're at our our home HQ. This is basically the center of Metallica's universe, this building out uh, just about, uh, what, 10, 20 miles north of San Francisco. This is where we've been for 20 years. Uh, We made Death Magnetic here. We made St. Anger here. They made Death Magnetic there, did they? We did the Lulu sessions. Magnetic was at Rick Rubin's place. I'm going to call the metal police on uh, Mars. Social media, our merchandise, and all our gear and storage and everything is this is this is the metallica world right here you're you're in the room i don't know if you can see kind of but this is a uh, studio b and this is where we've been writing and playing for just about 20 years and you can see we've got flags everywhere uh, uh, you know people thrown on stage and different countries represented and there are lots of really positive fan energy in here yeah. No, it looks it looks wonderful. It looks like a chaotic mess, but you guys know what all that equipment does. I, but, but it looks, you know, in a way, it, right. you know, rock and roll and, and metal has to be childish too. And it almost looks like a kid's playroom. What you're in right now, and you almost need that. I think. To, I to, agree. To, yes. Yeah. yeah. You need to because create we great play music. our instruments. We, uh, yeah, we play we our instruments. Place, what in the 
20 years ago, we kicked, uh, we kicked Journey out of here. They were in here. I remember watching Journey rehearse in this very room before we bought the place. So wow. it's got some history here. Did you hate those guys? I think Ooh. Neil Sean is a brilliant guitar player. No. Neil Sean's no. awesome. There you go. Uh, at the time, they weren't my favorite band. We'll put it right. that way. <laughs> <laughs> but you've matured. I respect them now. Yeah. Um, the Black no Album throwing, is... No throwing darts at pictures of Journey. No, no, no. By the <laughs> way, we, we should... Yeah, right. We, we should talk about the, um, the, these uh, new projects you're up to because I remember going to Madison Square Garden and I went to see you guys the first time around when you decided to play with an orchestra. It's awesome. Uh, which was yeah. kind of mind-blowing. Talk about playing outside the box. Metallica and an orchestra sounded insane. And I remember going to those shows, man, and just fucking loving it. I think it's in my top five of all the rock shows I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen quite a few. Uh, and it really, it really was electric because to see that orchestra behind you, and it was what, like 70 pieces? It, it was like, it was surreal. It really was. And it was such a beautiful meshing. That's what I was getting at earlier. Like, like, the like meshing. meshing an orchestra with Metallica is Honey, something I would never think to it's do. It's the meshing. Whose actual idea was that? Who does this? That was, uh, so a gentleman, uh, gentleman named Michael Kamen, uh, he'd done a bunch of stuff, uh, I guess up through the eighties and nineties with like the Pink Floyds, the George Harrison's, the Eric Clapton's. And he was also a, a film composer. He did, uh, like the Lethal Weapon movies and a bunch of other stuff. He had this vision of bringing a hard rock band and an orchestra together. So right around the time when the Load album came out, 96, 97, he came to us and asked if we were game. And, and fuck yeah, we were game. But it took uh, maybe three years for the project to come to fruition. He had to write. Uh, he wrote all the orchestral arrangements. It took two, three years. And... And unbeknownst to us at that time, if you wanted to book like a major symphony orchestra, you had to really get in ahead of the schedule, like two, three years out. So eventually it was booked for, I guess it was 99, and we played out here in April. San Francisco with the San Francisco Orchestra. But it was really his brainchild. Uh, Michael Kamen, uh, rest in peace also to him, sadly missed. He passed a few years later. Um, but uh, he was so passionate. He was a fucking lover of life and... I can still see him up there directing traffic, directing us, directing the orchestra, and just his lust for life and his just passions were just oozing out of him. And and it, he was the maestro at that time and really uh, spearheaded the first the first S and M project. And that was when we when that record came out. Uh, I guess later in '99, we we did some shows in Berlin and some shows in New York to promote it. And and that was uh, the one that I think you came to at Madison Square Garden. Oh, it was, it was magnificent. Did you guys feel like, um, did, did that take a tremendous amount of rehearsal? Because it's, it's not just a Metallica show. It's Metallica with, with a symphony. I would imagine there were probably months of playing the same songs over and over and over again with those guys. Two rehearsals. Two rehearsals. That's what we Is had. that true or is that yeah, a joke? It's, it's a, no, no, it, it's, it's true. There's a, a real contradiction in that um, everything about the these undertakings we've done two of them obviously now it's a lot of prep uh, in terms of getting the, the the charts and the arrangements and all that together uh but the actual rehearsals because those incredible musicians are trained to just sit down in a chair pick up their instrument and then play what's in front of them so they play everything mm. off uh you know charts or arrange uh, paper or whatever so we memorize everything <laughs> for right. better or worse and uh so 
it's this weird confluence of two opposite worlds. Worlds They just sit down and play what's in front of them. And so there's not a lot of rehearsal with the orchestra. The, the one thing that you really have to be on top of, sometimes you know, people that know us and we love to be a little loose with endings or sometimes something will extend or you know, we'll go by visual cues uh, for an ending of a song or whatever. I mean, you can't do any of that shit when you're playing with an orchestra. It has to be the exact thing from start to finish or else you know, the band and orchestra get off, uh, which it has a few times over the years. But <laughs> Is it's, it intimidating, uh, it, though, if for you guys? Because you don't, re- you, I guess you guys don't read music. You do it all by ear. Do you? Uh, when you're hanging around with these, uh, you know, like did the violin player give you some fucking attitude or, or, or bullshit? <laughs> or do Scott you get Pingle intimidated? I mean, uh, really? The first, I think the first, first, first go at this, yes. We were really insecure going in thinking, wow, we're playing with real musicians and uh, let's just jam, but they don't jam. You know, they don't. <laughs> right. They don't. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're coming up. And uh, so this part right here, what what are you doing? It's like, I don't know. What is that? What song is that? <laughs> uh, but this second time, I think we we were a lot more confident, a little more loose with our attitude towards it and just actually were were more creative it felt like hey why don't we try this we got more songs let's do this and let's try this and it felt it felt uh with michael tilson thomas a a a little more open as far as uh uh all the possibilities we saw the endless possibilities with it back uh, 20 years ago the four members of metallica were the four youngest people on stage we were all in our mid-30s at the time and everybody in the orchestra were much older than we were this time around uh, last year we were all in our mid-50s and there were probably half the orchestra were younger than we were and half right. the orchestra a lot of those dudes now and way grew more up, mature grew up on <laughs> grew, grew up grew up on on hard rock and even metallica so we're talking to some of the musicians now uh, on the last go around, and they were actually big Metallica fans, which 20 years ago would have never happened. So there's been a kind of a shift, I think, also in 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 kind of just how music sits. You know, so the the differences between the rock world and the classical world 20 years ago, which w- was way vaster, way way greater, and now I think everything's becoming more gray area and melding together. So like James is saying, it felt much more comfortable this time and it felt like we were much more all on the same track rather than these two different worlds battling for, for the two spotlight worlds or whatever. Can you guys ever have sex with anyone in the orchestra? <laughs> like uh, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a the question. first time around? No? It's, a, it's, all, it's all square business, huh? I, I, a former band member did. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I would think there's some opportunities there. I mean, especially with like hot violin players. I don't know. Hey, exactly. listen, Instruments you're talking included. about Metallica's new S&M box set, which is really great. It's a, it's a, a concert film. The concert film is coming out August 28th. It's a new project from them, but it's this same idea, right, guys? It's the, it's the idea of you guys playing with an, an orchestra again, and it sounds full and big. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the 20th, 20th anniversary of the first go-around, and it really has its origins in so, uh, San Francisco finally got itself a world, world-class uh, arena, uh, which is where the Warriors mm-hmm. play now, or were playing. Chase Center. Pre-COVID, obviously. And so the whole thing started where they asked if we would open the arena, uh, be the first event in, and then somebody suggested uh, that maybe we would bring um, the San Francisco Orchestra back together and celebrate the 20 years, and it became... 
you know, S&M too, but it also, I think more importantly for us, based in San Francisco, was really a celebration of San Francisco and the culture of San Francisco, and it was such a big fucking deal here to, and such such a cool thing to be able to open the new arena and to really celebrate uh, San Francisco, and fans from all over the world came in and, and were part of this incredible weekend, so this was uh, in, what, September? Of yeah. last year so the album and the whole project was actually supposed to come out a couple three four months ago but then uh because of covid and uh the production and the i guess the pressing plants and all that stuff shut down so it's finally coming out now in august here m 2 is being released on a uh, two cd four lp colored vinyl blu-ray deluxe box set uh and a uh, fifth member super deluxe box set with only 500 copies. It's uh, it's quite a project. It's quite an undertaking. It's uh, it sounds awesome. Um, you want to do a little music? I I, I don't want to keep you guys up all morning, but the Unforgiven is um, uh, so this is from uh, of course the Black Album, one of my favorite songs. You guys do another Black Album tune. And um, thank you. This song, The Unforgiven, came about uh, from what I've read about Metallica. The the lyrics, James, explore your childhood. That your childhood was, to say the least, tumultuous. Yeah. And if, yeah. But 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 when you <laughs> sing, yeah, when you sing this. Are you sad? Are you taken back to those times? Or now has it just become a song that you kind of know the lyrics? Or do you have to go to that emotional place? Good question. I don't have to go to that emotional place, but I, I, I'm grateful that I wrote it because it does, it does tell a bit of a journey and, and how, you know, just like a tattoo for me, uh, they, they change with time. You know, uh, I, can, I can choose what I like to believe about it now. And, you know, The Unforgiven was really the whole trilogy is about feeling that I'm, I'm a, I'm, I am unforgiven, that what I've done or where I've come from or whatever uh, is unforgivable. And it's not true uh, that I am forgiven. And, uh, and this is just a good reminder of that. That's all. <laughs> oh, I thought The Unforgiven was maybe referring to your parents. Maybe it is. I mean, that's Probably the way I, I... I mean, in other words, you can't forgive them. Mm, deep thoughts. There, There's that. There's there's so many layers to Whatever this. you want it, it to could be. could be applied to anyone and everything. You know, the world. The world. You know? I remember we had a t-shirt with this on it, and I drew this thing. It was a picture of Earth, and it had a big lineup that was going around the Earth, way out into space... And then there was a, a gallows, and I was basically going to hang the whole world. It's a Lunar Satan T-shirt. <laughs> That's a level of anger that I understand. Uh, but you, good morning, yeah, but you, by the but way. Good morning, everybody. But you, Pretty say, chill. you say, like, personal wound. This is the truth as a songwriter. Personal wounds are a great thing to write about. Uh, in other words, if you haven't lived life, and, and in a way, maybe you can't be a great songwriter unless you really have lived through some real shit super emotions, like real bad stuff. Do you think that's accurate? <laughs> Good night, Dark Continent. Weird it super helps. emotions. It certainly helps. I don't know if if I'd be standing here if I didn't have my childhood the way it was, or or even yesterday. Uh, but uh, it does help. And uh, you know, and if it's a human, if it's a human experience, I should be able to talk about it or write about it and and that's that's the connection i think with the metallica family mm, well said yeah no that you're able to turn this stuff into write about it means you're able to confront it which is great was the guitar your salvation through all those years learning the yeah. guitar mastering the guitar yeah 
for me yeah. as well. Absolutely. For me as well. Guitar playing calmed me down when I was a teenager. I was so angry and and confused and frustrated. But then I discovered music and guitar playing, and it was instant relief. Wah pedal. Just from playing my guitar. Wow. Do you remember the first song you ever played that was a popular song that you mastered on the guitar when you were yes. teaching yourself guitar? What was it? Yes. Purple Haze, man. Nice. Oh, yes. Is that a hard Bad. song to play? Eh, uh, yes, and I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> it took me like three months to, to learn it and play it correctly. Do you I still play it? Yeah, yeah, I still do. Funny Can here. you give me a little bit of Purple Haze? Yeah. <laughs> Cool. James creeping in there. <laughs> wow. Pretty cool. While I kiss this guy, <laughs> yeah, hey. classic. Uh, wow, you know it, it, it's probably every guitar player probably remembers what song they first really learned how to play. What was it for you, James? Uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, it was this one. The wrestling boot band. Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, Trying to play Stairway, I guess. He's gonna, well, uh, is your guitar out of tune? He's going to kick the guitar again with old Chad. Turn on this other guitar. He's just being really accurate on how it was when you first started playing. It's <laughs> yeah. a great joke. Name that tune. Stairway. Oh, Walk this way. Name that tune. <laughs> Walk this way. We can do we can. Of Zeppelin. Yes. Request. Okay. That's better. Thanks for uh, making me play that, because Unforgiven would have been way different. <laughs> oh, that's true. If he hadn't fixed that guitar. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so wouldn't Stairway it, to Heaven, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if it was Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. That Boys, this, be funny. this one is called The Unforgiven. Honey. And, uh, it's called The Unforgiven. Uh, I'll, I'll just let, I'll leave it at that. Gets whipping 
Nice. Like when you're unforgiven. Wow. That is ridiculously fun to watch you guys do that. Yeah. Oh my god. It's ridiculous. Lars hits those fucking drums hard, man. <laughs> Where'd he yeah, go? I think they were hammers, not sticks, the way he's going on. Hey, Lars, I just, uh, usually when I play a song, I just get up and uh, do a quick uh, around behind the drums. Uh, why? Yeah, it's fun. Even at, the, even at six o'clock in the morning, it's all yeah. good. <laughs> Lars, why do you get up and, and walk away? Is it because the literally people. your hands hurt after you um, pound that hard? I think it's the more people the, uh, know. It's the adrenaline. It's kind of sitting still and kind of uh, just kind of trying to have the pocket and be in the moment and, and you so love on. It. And, so, and then when the song is over, it's just like, I just got to get up and stretch or whatever the fuck. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, just, it, it, just burn it, off the, the last few remnants of energy. Man, you do. It's so fucking. You know, a lot of bands hide the drummer. You know, I mean, it, but but what I like about Metallica, the the drummer, you know, Lars, you're part of the band. Like I, I you're part of the show, uh, and I think that's you know, a lot of bands could learn from that. You know, the, the part of the fun of watching a band is seeing you hitting those drums. Uh, Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, and you fucking hit them hard. I mean, you know, and the level of musicianship is so crazy. Even what we were just talking about before that song, like. Kirk, you saying like the salvation of being a young boy in your room practicing the, the guitar. I wish I had had that kind of salvation. I wish I had found the passion. How do you get that passion that young? Honey, how do you do it? I just discovered that I, I loved music. You know, I, I, I was brought up listening to what my parents listened to, which was a bunch of, of classical music and jazz. And I also grew up listening to like AM pop radio. But then all of a sudden... I, I found a, a group of friends who were listening to this new type of music called hard rock that I didn't even knew existed. And it was like, you know, I was like uh, these guys named Jethro Tull and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. I didn't know who those guys were until I found that they're actually bands and not people. And I, and I just went from there. I discovered hard rock and I discovered the feeling of it and, and it, it soothed my, 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 my anger and it, I went from being an air guitar player to a real guitar player over the course of like six months. Yeah, I'm so glad you just mentioned Jethro Tull. Those fucking guys <laughs> were an amazing band. They're not in the yes. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't understand that. Those albums were, you know, Locomotive Breath, Crest uh, of on, a Aqualung, and, and so on and so forth. Stole Why the are those guys so disrespected? Why are some bands not cool? To, I don't get, understand the that. Penny whistle. I don't understand it either because I came to Jethro Tull relatively late, and those first four albums are brilliant. The musicianship. Thick as a brick. Thick as yeah. a brick tour. I saw that at Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. I don't, I, my head almost exploded when I saw that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and those know, guys are so disrespected. Yeah. It, the, there's so many bands that belong in, this, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that 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 just aren't and it's it's uh it's, it's well weird. the rock and roll hall of fame is not the uh deciding factor of a yeah thank god not you know <laughs> thank god uh yeah because there's plenty that aren't but uh who's you know who's to say they're not good you know doesn't matter but, uh, good, did, good riffs was you were your guys family supportive when you start playing guitar and like, you say you want to be a musician or are they just complete assholes about it <laughs> i i started cutting school <laughs> to, to stay home and play guitar doing drugs and once my parents found out they tried to take my guitar away and i got the guitar and i left home whoa uh -huh. how old were you 17 jesus christ yeah 
on your own at 17? What were you, yeah. what did you, did you just go off with a band? Cause you were in, a, I, what I, band stayed, were you? I was in a band called Exodus and, uh, and I stayed uh, at thrash. my drummer's house in the, in the loft above the garage. And you could even thrash. stand up in that loft. It is actually about three feet. I had to crawl into the, the loft to sleep. Are you pissed off? Are you are you mad at your parents? I mean, do you have anything oh, to do with them? Oh, I was so pissed off. I was just am- amazingly pissed off, and like, like didn't speak to them for a, for a while because they, you know, they they wanted me to be something that I didn't want to be, basically. Yeah, I guess they do that out of concern, like thinking, oh, you yeah. won't have a future. But I mean, they couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, when you got into Metallica, um, your band Exodus. They were pissed, right? I mean, oh yeah, they're so pissed. (laughs) You know, but it was it was weird because I I formed Exodus in high school. I thought that was my band, but then when I met these guys and started playing with them, I felt more at home with these guys than I did in the band that I started. And I, you know, there was a lot of guilt that came along with that. But but the second I played with these guys, I just felt better. How did you tell those guys? Like, how do you go to them and say, hey, look, Metallica wants me to join them, so uh, I'm leaving you. You wrote them a letter. It's, it was exactly that, Howard. <laughs> and they understood. <laughs> Who was it? Who did you talk to? I talked to Gary Holt, the guitar player, Paul Bailoff, the singer, and Tom Hunting, the drummer. All at the same time? All at like the same the time. They didn't kick your ass? Uh, we Interesting that James didn't know. <laughs> we were all drunk. But then and, they know, did kick your ass. The, they oh, yeah, of, by the way. <laughs> we hugged, and then we, we all started wrestling, which is what we used to do. And we were do nude. Back then. <laughs> well, that's what you called wrestle. it. Wrestling. I thought the okay. legendary story was the lead singer walked over to you and poured a beer over your head when, he told, when you told him. <laughs> uh... No. That probably happened. You don't remember. <laughs> but maybe that happened. I don't know. We were, they were wrestling. <laughs> Too busy that wrestling. That happened so frequently. I don't think they were yeah, wasted that, a beer. That was a, a normal activity, actually, pouring beer on each other. Wasn't the story, it was April Fool's Day, and you thought it was a joke that, that, yes. that Metallica had called you? Yes, it was uh, on April wow. Fool's Day, and I thought it was a complete joke. I think I was sitting on the can. If you want right. a complete picture. <laughs> hey, what's that look like? You were sitting on the can. I assume you were uh, making a dump. And uh, you get playing this uh, call. You're playing guitar while you're taking a dump. That's commitment. Yeah. And, and, and you get a call that Metallica wants you. It's, that's got to be great. And by the way, how did you have a phone in your bathroom? That's pretty impressive. Uh, in remember there was phones on, on walls in bathrooms back in yeah. the day? You know, sure. I had a little f- f- wall-mounted phone in the bathroom occasionally. Yeah. Do you still have a grudge with your parents because they they mistreated you and, and actually threw you out of the house kind of? Well, it, it's like this. You know, it's the old revisionist sort of thing. You know, once we started getting successful, my parents said, yeah, I was always behind you. I supported <laughs> you. And, yeah, you know, we yeah. always thought you were going to do well. And I'm like shaking my head going, nope. Uh- that's not yeah, what I right. remember. <laughs> so you won't be buying them a house anytime soon. <laughs> oh, I already did. Oh, you did it. I already eh, did. Let yeah, so it's actually the fir- one of the first things I did, Howard, was just make sure that my parents were with that justice were for all well money. Off. Isn't that or weird? You bought yourself a house. Yeah, actually, I bought wow. my wow. parents' house before I bought my house. Amazing. Don't you think that guy's? Isn't it weird? Like it, people who don't treat us well, and then we go out of our ways to treat so, them well. I, I, why, is fucking, why is why? that? Why is that? Approval. Ooh. We want yeah. approval. James Nalen. We want acceptance. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. Listen, I can't hold you guys all day. How about if we end uh, end with uh, All Within My Hands? Uh, this is off the St. Anger album. This is, uh, well, it's another great Metallica tune. What can I say? Anything you guys want to say about this song? You want to uh, give a little uh, history, anything? So when you said St. Anger, uh, obviously the Metallica fans, uh, if you heard the St. Anger version, <laughs> is pretty different than the one we're about to play. So over the years... Uh, we've enjoyed having um, a different side of Metallica. We it started in um, what the mid '90s when uh, Neil Young uh, would have these uh, benefits out here on a yearly basis. Uh, bridge school for the school that his kids were going to, called the Bridge School, and we would uh, be invited to play. And uh, all these incredible musicians would come through, but the one condition uh, was that you had to play acoustic. And so we were invited, uh, and there was definitely a bit of a of, of energy in, in, in that amphitheater about now here comes Metallica. Now let's see if they can play acoustic and that's going to be a total train wreck, but we've always <laughs> enjoyed, uh, we've always enjoyed kind of interpreting, reinterpreting our own songs, uh, acoustically and also, uh, enjoyed, um, like, uh, covers and, and doing a bunch of stuff like cover songs and, and just giving songs acoustic treatment. So this song, uh, I can't remember. I think it came out of that challenge you're talking about, like Metallica acoustic. Ha! That's for folk people that are real musicians or can actually play. Joni Mitchell. Don't hide behind the distortion. And Lenny. So it was a great challenge for us, like you said, the train wreck. I mean, we kind of welcomed train wrecks at that point, you know, because we grew from them. And this was a song, I think, well, why don't, you know, as a joke, maybe, you know, why don't we take something from St. Anger, one of the angriest albums and noisiest and and most most obnoxious Crazy sound fucking, yeah. ever and turn it into something uh, a little different. Lovely. Uh, yeah, I love when bands do this, when they take it. And I think, in a way, again, it's the Metallica attitude. Hey, you say we can't play acoustic? Go fuck yourself. We're going to play acoustic and we're going to do it well. Uh, and it also proves how <laughs> melodic, your, you know, the, the music is. I mean, you know... You're not hiding behind. I, yeah, yeah the, I think also, I mean, it, it, it also, it, it proves one thing if you get into kind of, I mean, we've always loved the craft of songwriting. So we love the energy of, of you know, the energy and the speed of, of what we play. And we love the amplification and, and so on. But at the end of the day, no matter how much it's amplified or how fast you're playing it, there's got to be a song there. Uh, you know, right. the you know verse and a bridge and a chorus and something. So, I think it 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 sort of if you can strip any of those crazy songs down to its bare essentials, which is just a verse, bridge, and a chorus, then you kind of know there's a song. And I think back in the day when we were, you know, in the '80s and '90s, we would just write songs. We would be so instinctive. We just fucking okay, battery, master puppets, all these songs. But now when we write, we spend a lot of time in this very room. Kind of go. That's a great riff. That's a great melody. That's a great progression. Should it be fast? Should it be slow? Should it be heavy? Should it be lighter? Should it be you know what tuning should it be in? All those types of things. So as you get more experienced, and 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 learn more shit, you're also burdened by more choices, more options, and and how you can do it so many different ways. But you know, at the end of the day, a great song is a great song, and and That's right. so we we love to strip them down, uh, often to its bare essentials when we do the acoustic treatment. All right, here we go. All within my hands, Metallica. Or COVID on my hands. <laughs> right. This is what it is now. Okay. This is Avi, by the way. Good morning, Avi. Hey, Avi. Hey. What's <laughs> up? Stop Avi? that for a second, Jason. <laughs> 
you doing? Hi, hi, Avi. Say hi to Howard. Hey, Howard. What's going How on with you? Avi? Hey, Avi, what are you up to? Uh, I'm just uh, I'm just getting lunch orders. Man, we got to get this Avi guy on the show. <laughs> what are you Avi, doing? Uh, What's Avi, Avi doing? Do? Orders. He works here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I work what? here at HQ. You're just hanging out. What yeah, a I'm cool gonna, job. I'm going to sing some backing vocals on this. Avi sings backing vocals on this. It's awesome that he works at HQ. Hanging with Metallica, singing backup vocals. Awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. You, yeah. What's your story? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a musician. Started working here. Someone find this guy and email and, him for uh, us. You know, uh, they found out I play music, and James and I sang together once. All right, seriously, whoever can get us in touch with this Avi or Abi dude who uh, has performed as sort of an auxiliary musician with Metallica, you will get... A million metal up your podcast bucks someone knows an email or can do some detective work and get us linked up that'd be cool all right back to our scheduled program wow. we've done some benefits together yeah yeah he's a bluegrass style so he's got lots of uh talents on different stringed instruments and you know we have so uh, Avi was have... a dude hanging out with at metallica headquarters with a job and then you f suddenly found out he could sing it's like a star is born Absolutely. <laughs> now, now's, a good now's a good time to plug your band. Oh, my, sure. So he's, you're in a band. Gladly. Called, I, my band is called Goodnight Texas. All right. And they're awesome. The detective work just got yeah. easier. Yeah. But meanwhile, look at you. You're playing with Metallica. It's a big deal. Don't fuck up. <laughs> Too late. Well, <laughs> Too late. He's a job. killer singer. <laughs> All right. Here is Metallica with Avi. <laughs> Oh, it's 
That beautiful boys. Metallica featuring Avi. Woo! <laughs> right. You know, Avi, uh, right. nice job. 
The good news. Here's the Thank good you. news. The good news is Avi can sing. The bad news is the band's lunch is called, and he's got to go out and get it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he is still an intern. Yes, yes he is. He's an intern, and you know the Chipotle won't wait forever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's got to be exciting. Man, 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 what a beautiful song. How does a song like that come about? Was that a group effort or uh, who wrote that? Honey, who does this? Who writes this? Uh, fucking like great before, arrangement. I mean, uh, if you right now, I don't know if it's possible, Kent or anybody, if you could hear the OG version of that. Uh, right. I don't know if you would use the word beautiful, Howard. Um, <laughs> it's uh, angry it's and nasty and fucked up. Kill, uh, kill, the, kill, the kill, kill. James is just screaming. Ah! Kill, kill. Over the whole outro for like two minutes or something is my recollection. Kill, kill, kill. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah but isn't that uh, the point? The point is that a good song, if you put it, if you strip it down, if it's exactly. a great melody and, a, you know, that it, it, it shows great songs, you can do anything with them. They, they, they work on any level, you know? It's, yeah. it's fucking yeah. great. Really, really I, just I, beautiful. I, uh, going back to the St. Anger album, uh, it was kind of the last uh, song on that album, and I think it was just kind of. the whole energy of San Anger was kind of about just noise and fuck you-isms and, and just <laughs> creating the big racket. And uh, I don't know if you remember the, the lyrical origin or whatever. No. Uh, it's kind of about uh, suffocation. Or well, just, yeah, not, not, you know, loving something enough to let it go was certainly not in, in my vocabulary. Uh, right. Maybe, maybe inspired by whatever. Many people that come and go in our lives. Um, by Jason. I do remember sitting messing with this, and correct me if I'm wrong, messing with this at um, Sound City. Studio. Were we maybe recording uh, or rehearsing for something coming up? As an acoustic no. No. song rendition? All right. No, well, Sang Anger was before. I mean, Sound City was Death Magnetic, so uh, yeah, maybe we, we were, were just, playing this for something else. Was the it the version? Yeah, it was the first. Uh, yeah, it was uh, the first time we played was at the second or third Bridge School thing there that we go. did, which was in the middle of the uh, of the Death Magnetic session. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Lars is the Metallica. Do you think you guys uh, have stayed on top and, and stayed relevant because you practice so much? Like, like, like in other words, you've, you've, you've <laughs> probably do a lot played of that song a bunch of times, <laughs> and yet. You still rehearse it, right? I mean, no, you don't, uh, you don't, you don't treat it like you don't just get together, go on tour, and say, "Fuck it, we've played it so many times." I'm gonna. I, I, I would maybe almost say the opposite. I mean, in all in all silliness, I think a part of the reason we're still together is because we haven't rehearsed so much, meaning that that we don't really we're not so rigid that we don't let the human element be a big part of what we do and and we don't take ourselves so seriously that everything has to be no fucking perfect all the time and i think that's a a really big kind of overall thing in in that we enjoy what we're doing we but we really are very uh comfortable with each other letting the human side be very prevalent and also with our fans and being very transparent and letting uh, the human side kind of be a part of it you know often you know when we play if we fuck something up we'll stop and start it over and and we we get a little bit of grief in the metal community actually from uh -oh. a lot of the other the critics and metal some of police. the other bands about you know metallica are a little more kind of on the sloppy side and we kind of wear that with pride actually it's uh you don't want it to just, be wrote you don't want it to always be the same 
Yeah, and we just we love. I mean, we love the we love being comfortable. Like James was saying earlier, it's just about the human side of who we are and the vulnerable side. And and we're very, uh, I think, just comfortable and proud of 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 wearing that uh, proudly. Yeah, and we're lazy. I think <laughs> we don't want to rehearse a lot. There's, I think, there's a punk rock attitude to it also, where, you know, okay, that's good enough, or I'm, I'm sick of rehearsing. That's enough. You know, right? You gotta. Ha- it's got to be fun. And then, you know, as an artist, when you go out there and you play, uh, your art is happening right now. It's not uh, okay. No matter, and like Lars tells me all the time, no matter how much we rehearse, we could re- rehearse five hours a day for a week in here, and then go up on stage or go somewhere else and play it. And it's a different feel. You're yeah. in a different time and a different now. Um, I think we have also been on tour with lots of bands that were so strict with their sonics and their playing. And, you know, uh, what comes to mind is Queensryche that were very, very on key. And it's like they wanted their album. They wanted to basically kind of play their album live, but it sounded exactly like the CD. It's like, well, why... Why go see him? You could just watch a video or something. Yeah, I think all of us have definitely, um, we all have a love also for, uh, I mean, obviously hard rock and metal is what we play, but all of us love punk, like James was just saying. We grew up on a, on a big part of punk aesthetics, and we also love, you know, garage rock and, you know, coming out of, you know, what was coming out of Detroit in the late 60s and the Stooges and the MC5 and, you know, bands like Motorhead and so on, which have a direct lineage back to that kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously early ACDC and so on, which is really more about a vibe and more about capturing kind of a moment rather than, than this note perfect. So cool. Kind of more, uh, I guess, conservative approach in heavy metal. We've always kind of just felt... A little. Uh, did you guys? Did you guys dig the? For that? Did you dig the Ramones? Were they? Were they uh, big with oh, you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Huge I've Ramones. Heard a bunch yes. of their stuff. From yeah. the very yeah. beginning. From Got the, the very... first album right when it came out, and it was like, wow, look at these guys. I remember showing all my friends the album cover in 1976. <laughs> it was like at that time it was you know Led Zeppelin and Kiss and Thin Lizzy and Deep Purple, and then. the the Ramones, look at these dudes, black and white, Queens dudes in their tattered jeans and their leather jackets. It was so fucking gaba, cool. Gaba, it, hey. was so, it was so great. It was so inspiring to see the Ramones, especially as a teenager, because I didn't look like Robert Plant. <laughs> right. I looked right. more like <laughs> Didi Ramone. <laughs> we got to play with them. We got to play with them on the... Lollapalooza. Yeah, Lollapalooza. Tour. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. That was such a treat. Yeah. yeah, Joey was Such out there, and and, and those Joey and those was. guys would fight all the time too. I mean, they yes. they did not get along. Those at Ramones all. I mean, brothers must have seen some crazy stuff with those they guys. Never got along, Howard. Never. <laughs> the very beginning, I was really good friends with Johnny Ramone, and he used to tell me stories. They never got along. But they were I'm fucking like, sweethearts, all yeah. of them. At least they, 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 they were. But, but I used to have them on the show and try to unite them and like and get them talking to one another. It was crazy radio. It was, it was just so great. Do you guys ever look at like the Rolling Stones and think, hey, maybe musically we'll all still be together in 2050? Like, could you could you guys see yourselves at almost 80 years old still doing this? Mm, good question. I can. I think I I think I mean if physically we can if the knees and the elbows and the necks and the throats and all the rest of it hold up I think. Uh, Definitely, in, in the spirit of it, st- definitely still be there. Whether, and again, 
maybe it'll be 20 versions of All Within My Hands at that time rather than 20 <laughs> versions of Battery or Damage Incorporated or whatever. But I think, that, I think that uh, spiritually and, and certainly uh, aesthetically, there's a good shot. Change battery to bad uh, news. Fucking stones are so inspiring. I mean, just Charlie Watts is close to eighty. Ringo just turned eighty. Jagger. Ringo up there. looks good. Ringo. That's Ringo that's looks amazing. good. I mean, who it's like he made a deal thought? with the who devil. Does this? I mean, it's crazy. And it's Jagger you, out there doing those moves. It's his seventy-seven. Yeah. It's incredible. It, it's Ringo's vegetarianism that makes him look that way. I'm convinced. Oh boy. Yeah. What? Here he we go. He's the original vegetarian, man. He invented it ever since. Like, <laughs> James early loves 60s. that. He invented vegetables. I think he did. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> he did actually. <laughs> I think tomatoes he invented. Yeah. Um, yeah. He collected them think, after the show. Do you think in 2050, Avi will still be getting lunch for you guys, or will he have a successful career? <laughs> Not after this show. <laughs> He's on his way, man. Yeah, when, well, we to, when we have to get a hold of Avi from now on, we have to call his manager. Absolutely. Yeah. Goodbye, Texas. Yeah, right. Uh, now it's our little secret's ruined. No. Listen, <laughs> Avi's career is blowing up as we speak. You should see what's going on. All right, let's 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 recap, boys. And first of all, also, let me say hi to Robert, who's been incredibly silent through this whole experience. Hi, Robert. Uh, hey, how you doing, Howard? The end. Everything cool? What's, I mean, you always seem pissed great. off at I'm me. Just, I'm just observing and enjoying <laughs> this, seeing you up there. Wish, wish it could be in person, but... Uh, oh, I sure do, great. too. Robert's, Robert's so funny the most because... unpissed off person I know. <laughs> Sweetie pie. All I know you is, know. I remember going to see you guys at that same concert at the Garden when you were playing with the orchestra. And you talk about energy. I remember watching Robert. Like, oh, he, he puts no. on, like That's why you're a great uh, oh, touring band, because Robert, no. just watching Robert alone is a fucking show in itself. Oh, boy. And um, he's so comfortable How with long do they let him be wrong? And then I remember at one point I rushed the stage... And I think I, I think you were like jamming your head into mine at some point, and and uh, oh it was fucking crazy. Like uh, uh, it was such a mind blowing experience. Sound That's why Howard I'm excited for you hole. guys with this S and M two box set, uh, with the concert film coming out too <laughs> on August twenty eighth. Uh, you gotta you gotta check it out. It's it, it's really it's really quite. Oh my incredible gosh, they're never gonna uh, get together and do this whole thing them, with huh? the symphony and all that. So. Uh, but Robert, good to see you. I, I didn't want to bug you, you know, because you always look like you might. Like, I remember, I thought you were going to jump off the stage and kick my ass uh, during that concert because, you, you know, you, you give off that vibe, you know? You know, it, it's, it's uh, I tell you, even getting up at four in the morning to play with these guys, it's just so much fun. And mm, Take the high road. And, uh, <laughs> and like, you were going back to, like, uh, kind of growing up and being sort of the outcast. It's the right thing to I do. I played in Suicidal Tendencies back in L.A., and we couldn't even play in L.A. And when I joined forces with Metallica, it was just this natural fit because it's like, oh, you guys are bad boy sort of outlaw types too. Well, great, perfect fit, you know. So it's just great to be here. It's great to see you. Great seeing you, too. And, boys, I didn't even mention, I should give a plug to your, I do the commercial for it all the time, Blackened Whiskey, which yeah. uh, I always have a good laugh because it's Metallica's music infused into the whiskey where you guys, uh, they play Metallica music to shake the barrels. And uh, who chooses Damn, that right. playlist? Is it is it Lars who chooses the playlist for them? Uh, we, they rotate. We each pick one. We get the email from uh, from Bree. It's like time for a black and playlist. It's like uh, okay, what eight songs haven't hasn't anybody picked yet? But uh, it rotates through uh, all four of us. And we even had our uh, distiller, uh, Rob Dietrich. Uh, he picked the playlist for the one hundredth 
batch that just came out a couple weeks ago. So uh, awesome. we get some people in there. Maybe you could do a playlist uh, one time, Howard. That'd be cool. Absolutely. You guys agitate the barrels with Metallica music, <laughs> infusing right. Metallica into the whiskey. James, agitate. this has to be very difficult for you. Uh, you cannot even taste <laughs> your You've own never product. You've tried it, right? Yeah. I you have, have not tried Let's I, hope you haven't tried it. Well. I have not tried it. I, I trust these guys with uh, their opinion on blackened whiskey. So uh, I, I just stand there and hold the bottle, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and by the way, James... And it looks uh, really I, cool doing it. Yeah. I, I think it's very cool. I see, like, out of the corner of the camera there that uh, Avi and Chad are agitating the barrels right now as we speak. <laughs> 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 uh, yikes. Pretty fucking amazing, I'll tell you that. So anyway, get Metallica's new S&M 2 box set. You know how great these boys are in there. Concert Film 2, August 28th. You can check out Blackened American Whiskey. That's right, allblackandwhiskey.com. Here, Metallica, by the way, on Sirius XM's Turbo, Ozzy's Boneyard, and Liquid Metal. Hey, hey, Robert, before I go, what was the story on Ozzy? Wasn't there one time you were sharing a studio, a rehearsal space or something with Ozzy, and he walked in, he was looking to score some drugs, and you didn't have any? What was that whole fucking so story? When he was recording the No More uh, uh, Tears. Uh, Tears record, um, I was in a band called The Infectious Grooves, and we were sharing the studio for about a month, and he would always kind of go missing. So his assistant would come into our, our, our the control room. Is Ozzy here? You know, he's like looking in closets and everything for Ozzy, and, and he would come into our room and, and hang out. So he ended up singing on a song with us called Therapy, and uh, it was like a dream come true for me. Because um, I grew up playing in backyard parties and in Exodus, I played Sabbath songs and Ozzy songs, and then I ended up working with Ozzy for about seven years before I joined Metallica, and uh, that was a, you know a special moment for me. That's I thought the story was that when Ozzy came in, he goes, "Do you guys get any? You know, you, he named yeah, like a, no, a list of he drugs." Said that. You know, he and, did. He goes, you, he, he goes, "You got any blow? <laughs> you got any booze? You got any pills?" And then we said, "No, Ozzy, we pretty don't good, have Ozzy." That. And he's like. You're fucking boring, man. You know, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. those those were crazy times. I got more stories, but I, oh come on, let's hear one or two. Let's hear, a, hear you, let's hear your <laughs> best <laughs> story. Next time, next time. Oh uh, shit. Okay, you can't real do quick. Mike right. brings forward. a girlfriend in, brings a girlfriend to show her the studio. Proud moment for uh, you know, for Mike. I hear uh, a woman kind of scream. I see a pair of cowboy boots, female cowboy boots, and I see Ozzy's face biting into the boot. And uh, that was sort of the welcoming moment for uh, Inez's girlfriend. And uh, and then I remember seeing him out in the parking lot, um, Mike Inez, the bass player, you know, Mm. kind of apologizing for Ozzy. Allison Chains guy. You know, he was wild back then. (laughs) Tap dancing. You know. Yeah. Oh, Ozzy's the greatest. He's the greatest. Ozzy's the coolest. See, the first time we ever went on tour in America and did a full-on arena tour was, what, nine months with Ozzy? 86. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, he would, the, him and Sharon were so gracious. And, I mean, that back in the 80s, every time they went out and, and, and did a tour, they would always take uh, a sort of an up-and-coming band with them. Before us, it was Motley Crue, and I think they did a bunch of other cool bands after. And they did like six nine months with Ozzy around the U.S. back in '86. It was a, it was a life changing experience. <laughs> you know what's weird? He, does, it, he yeah. does tell the story about seeing James flying down the hill on a skateboard, mm. and broke um, his arm. That's when you broke your arm, right? Yeah. 
wrist. Yeah, yeah. wrist. Yeah, and he says oh, that he remembers looking honey. out the tour bus and seeing James flying, you know, flying down on a skateboard, and then boom, you know. Yeah, well, that's my point about James. He's a fucking uh, maniac, and he's going to hurt his. <laughs> Imagine if he had broken his wrist and he couldn't play guitar anymore. He's he. What's the matter with you? He's James? nutty. He's nutty. I don't know. Human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't bite a woman's boots anymore. You notice that the whole world has changed. That's true. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That was on my. Yeah, hey, I have an idea. Do you guys ever have Chad and uh, Avi fight for your own entertainment? Just watch them <laughs> wrestle each other. <laughs> Maybe you get yeah, that going. Know, the Metallica we'll, crew we'll, we'll mud put wrestling. A, a burger in the middle of them, and then we'll have a fight over the burger. But, <laughs> but first, we have to starve them for three or four days. <laughs> right. So let me let me let me do this. Uh, SNM two will be playing at drive-in movie theaters one night only on August 29th. Ah. That's also a cool idea. No. And don't get out of your car. Go there and, and behave yourself. It's not is that SNM the message, two, guys? Is it? Oh boy. Uh, Ish. Drive in. Ish, yeah. So so we're doing uh, uh not to correct you, but uh so we're doing uh we're doing an experiment in a couple what three weeks. Uh so there's uh, an outfit out of Texas that has started doing these uh drive in things. Um yeah. obviously in the wake of COVID. So they did. Ah. Uh, they did. They did oh. one with uh, Garth Brooks uh, like a month ago. What like, Blake Shelton? Blake, a couple, Shelton. Blake Shelton a couple weeks ago, and they called us uh, a few weeks ago and asked if we would do one. So uh, coming soon to a drive-in near you. So uh, we. Well, I guess I can let the cat out of the bag here. So yesterday, please do. Uh, we recorded a special hour and forty-five minute set for uh, for this drive-in experience that's coming to. James rattled off a bunch of the cities. Coming the, uh, to we America. To, basically, it's what a couple three hundred drive-ins. Most of three hundred drive-ins, uh, um, all in North America. Yeah, Canada. Nice. the U.S. Canada. So it's a, it's there's one know, in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can find ways to get the, get it out there. It's like an ex- yeah. experiment uh, to see how what other cool new ways in in a new world order, uh, obviously uh, post COVID or in still during COVID, that we can connect. And bring music to fans all over the country. So we're, we always love experimenting and we always love to being uh, at the leading edge of these things. So we thought this would be uh, an interesting thing. So uh, we recorded it yesterday, uh, not too far from here. And it's uh, being edited by uh, but our, our team the next couple of days. And, and that will play in these drive-ins uh, all over uh, the U.S. and Canada. And yeah, it's pretty much a, us playing a concert. You know, without a crowd yeah. <laughs> and with lights and everything. And, you know, selfishly, it was really for us to get together and jam because we missed jamming. Right. And then, uh, you know, hopefully bringing some joy to people uh, out in, you know, the world of COVID now. And they can be safe in their car, you know, bring a six people per car and just be like, uh, what was that movie? The, the Where they're headbanging to the Queens? Wayne's World. <laughs> Uh, Wayne's World. Oh, come on, dude. Hopefully they can do that in their cars at the uh, drive-in. <laughs> you guys friends with that guy Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine? Mm. I am. Yeah, I, I, Kirk, he's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's incredible. He has a great guitar player. Incredibly gifted. Listen, I'll let you guys go. I don't want to keep you all fucking... I mean, I'm sure you're exhausted because you got up super early uh, you know, with your time zone. And uh, I love you guys. And and doing this for for this show and for my audience is really special for us. We we just love it, and uh, you're you're so yeah, generous you with your so stories oh and your God. time you. and your talent. 
And, uh, you know, I hope you guys will stay safe. I don't want any of you guys uh, dropping dead. Even Avi, I want him staying alive. Uh, you know, I know he's unessential, but what the hell? I love him. He's and not he's got to pick up in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, got boy. to touch all our food now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but also, I, mean, but I, I just want to say on behalf of everybody, thank you for having us. I know it's a first for you guys in, in COVID uh, lockdown to, to have a band. And um, I know there was a, some technical things that had to be ironed out to make this happen so your team uh everybody on our side is talking about how awesome your team was and and it's so fucking cool that we could do this uh, it's cool get up at four o'clock in the morning anytime yeah no you know you know i've been hesitant to do anything like this because i don't i never want a band to sound bad you know the fact that you guys are together in the studio and everything it worked out it definitely helps the fact that uh the fact that we're in our own space, Very much. and I mean, like we were talking about before, I mean, this has been this has been where we've been creating music for twenty years in this very room. Uh, that helps a lot in terms of the familiarity and just you sort of you walk in at five in the morning, you don't know what's up, down, or sideways, but there's enough familiarity to kind of keep right. it keep it level, you know. Yeah, what's going to happen, oh. James? When are you going back to Colorado? Are you going to just uh, you splitting now, or what's the what's the deal? Uh, I think we got a couple more things to do, and I'm going to split tonight at some point. I think there's, right. a, there's a fire in the area, so I might have to land somewhere else but <laughs> oh. yeah oh, i thought you were going to say I, I thought you were going to say you're going to go put out the fire because uh <laughs> yeah he know, works yeah, as a I'm fireman in vale colorado plane and help him out <laughs> yeah, yeah right you know we're grateful to to be on your on your show man and thank oh, you so much for for letting us be the first to play live and do this thing in covid so thanks all yes, right thank thanks you. guys really thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, thanks you're Robin. the best it's, it's awesome it's to be pleasure. with you guys all right, guys, be safe. Yes. Don't, don't you. Be, you know what I mean? I, other people come and go, but I don't need you guys dropping that. I need you around. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah, we'll, All right. We'll, we'll keep doing our COVID test every other day. <laughs> Shove that thing oh. up your nose. Oh. <laughs> All right. Much love, man. Much love. Yeah. Much love. Okay. Uh, love bye, guys. See you guys. All right. Well, there we have it. Interesting interview, of course. It's never not an interesting interview with Howard Stern. And uh, interesting revelations there. Well, first of all, how, how funny is that, that Tom Morello thing at the end? <laughs> out of nowhere hey uh you know that guy tom morello yeah you guys friends with that guy uh yeah cool guy anyway uh that was pretty weird um it sounds like jason newstead might have hooked up with one of the snm one uh symphony members interesting um how about howard just saying all that stuff about headbanging with rob at snm one and they just let it ride i wish you could see the video I'm sure that during that, they were just looking at each other, and at some point, one, someone just shook their head, as in meaning, Dad, just let it ride. Robert being gracious. Uh, but interesting stuff. Interesting, good good information about Lulu. Interesting to hear their take on getting together and jamming, being excited about that. Sort of some more information about the drive-in thing. Uh, them feeling more confident about SNM2, having done it the first time. Them really not rehearsing very often and crediting that with being... One of the reasons they're still excited to be together, that looseness, that punk rock attitude, some great insight into their relationship with some of the Ramones, some of the reasons that they first got into music, the first songs they learned on guitar. James is, you know, wanting to be a big fish in a little pond with ESP so they'll make him anything he wants. I mean, super fun, dude. And uh, I mean, I've had a hell of a day, so I need to get out of here and jump back into spending some time with my family. I did just want you guys to have access to this interview because it's it's definitely pretty cool. And uh, 
Well, that's what we're here for. So if you dig the show, here's your homework. Well, here's your homework. Homework time. We're, we're, we're in school now. I'm, I'm basically my daughter's like teacher tutor now, getting her through virtual school every day from 7.30 to 2.30. Here's your homework. We need to get in touch with that AVAB guy from Goodbye or Goodnight, Texas. Some, one of you out there, or many of you will do this for us. I know that. Uh, leave the positive review on iTunes. And of course, if you're willing and able, if you think the show has value, you need to support us on Patreon. It's the right thing to do, and you know it. We love you. We've got a really cool guest coming up on Monday. I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, honey, but it's really cool. You're going to love it. Stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. And, uh, well, that's it. Peace. Adios. <laughs> Advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>